Upper uppercase Q is cool. I will say that. Yeah. It's got a little kickstand thing. It's pretty sweet. It's like an O. Yeah, it's like an O with a little dick. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to TMNT Shellcast. This is episode number 24. Uh, we will be discussing and analyzing season three, episode six, called The Old Switcheroo. I'm Andrew. I'm your host today. I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts and brothers, John. John, how's it going? Uh, John is doing well today. Very good. And Chris, how's Chris doing? I'm also doing very well. So not to steal John's line, but doing good. Well, it's a quick turnaround between recordings. So we've got, we've had a lot of TMNT this week. Um, I do want to jump right into the episode recap because we've got some great things lined up for you. Of course, we will have some of our unique segments. Uh, today, we're going to feature player select, buy or sell. We'll get an update from John on the Shellcast Sportsbook. And then, as always, we will round out the episode with Turtleism's Villain Power Ranking and, of course, everyone's favorite, Pizza Time. Pizza Time! So, last week, Chris had the displeasure of losing the TikTok poll and therefore was sent to the Pizza Time wheel to spin his punishment, and he landed on what, Chris? I landed on my... Uh, it was a pleasure actually to land on <laughs> mini pizzas. So what I have prepared for you today, and this is going to look burnt, but it's not burnt. Okay. I want to be very clear. It's just the way the camera angles in. We have <laughs> dark <laughs> ominous pizza. <laughs> we have this an Elio's pizza. Every pizza. No, this is not burnt. This is how I like it. It's an Elio's pizza with bagel bites on top of it, which my childhood self only dreamed that this day would come one day. So I'm very excited about this pizza. This is by far the best spin I've had on the wheel. So it's nice. It just feels good to win one, as Kevin from The Office would say. I'm surprised you went, I, I respect, but I'm also surprised you went whole, like you didn't even chop up the uh, the mini pizzas. You just went flat out pizzaception, I think you called it last week. Yeah, this is going to be hard to bite, but I felt like if I chopped them up, it would be less aesthetically pleasing. So yeah. I did it for the fans. All right. A lot of pizza. Well, let's see what Chris what Chris thinks of Pizzaception, mini pizzas on top of Anilio's, and what he prices at on Vinny's Pizza Board. I had to move the mic away because this pizza is so big. Ooh. Wow, he bit through. Didn't even have to hold it down. Damn, I respect that. I love the texture of a nice little bagel pizza. Quite honestly. So, John, question for you: As Chris is uh, figuring out his score, would you go pizza? What are they called? Bagel bites or Tokino's pizza rolls? If you had to pick one or the other, I would, oh yeah, oh. Uh, 
Like if I had to pick one or for yeah. this pizza? If you had to pick one, like to eat for the rest of your life when you ate pizza. I mean, I would go the, the pizza rolls. Those are yeah. those are honestly hard to beat. Yeah. yeah. That's a great Who doesn't answer. want a molten lava in a little pocket? But you got to do them in the oven because any other way, they're just not. Good. I think air. I think you can air fry. Oh, I figured be a prime air fry candidate. Yeah. So this pizza, I'll be honest, I haven't had a bagel bite in a decade plus. I was never the biggest fan because by themselves they get a little too crunchy. But on top of an Elio's pizza, which can sometimes be questionably crunchy. It is the perfect compliment. So I got the ones with little pepperonis on them, which was a nice touch. This is the best pizza I've had so far. So hopefully my score will reflect that as I try and remember what I ranked. I think cinnamon or raisin brand pizza. You had you so also I, had like pepperoni or cheese or something, right, John? Yeah. He had regular cheese. Yep. Yep. He had Supreme, which he, which he which said he, was the best. Yeah, I'd say everyone's the best. <laughs> So, for this pizza, I would pay $8.85. Ooh, that's definitely up there. Because I think nine pepperoni is nine. I gave pepperoni a nine or something. You did? Yeah. So, that's got to be number two or three, maybe. Meat, meatball is 901. Oh, yeah. John put it up there. Meatball right. shouldn't be that high. Let's be honest. John loves meatball. <laughs> It was a good meatball. He said that was his favorite pizza, I think. It also gave him a headache, I think, or he had to get stomachache that day. No, that was the mushroom. Yeah, that was the pizza style. Yeah, that was. I thought it was, was, that was... I thought. Maybe. I forget. John's a sickly child. Either way. <laughs> Either way, that's a top, eat this top three pizza. Yeah. You would eat it again? I would, yeah. I think if you. You would definitely have to chop up these bagel bites because it's a little bit tough to bite, but pizza on pizza, not bad. I guess one of the questions is, do we talk about this uh, offline or maybe on air, but what if you flipped it upside down and ate it so that the bagel bite was what was uh, hitting your tongue first versus the Ilias? You know, obviously it's going to fall off, but now people talk about the way that you eat something like brisket. Did we talk about brisket or was that somebody else I was chatting? Yeah, we did. You didn't yeah, we definitely it. did. I don't know if it was on the show, but I remember talking about that. Yeah, it was. It was on the show. Yeah. Well, that is a great, great score. Uh, glad to see it. Creative. And uh, hopefully whoever loses this week's TikTok poll uh, gets something a little bit more disgusting so that the fans can enjoy. Uh, yeah, enjoy something a little bit more humorous. But I feel like Chris, yeah, Chris has gotten the highs of highs and the lows of lows. Yeah, there's no in between for him. He's either, yeah. either like one of the best or one of the worst. Speaking of yeah. which, I the lowest of lows when I had that tofu bean sprout pizza, conveniently or inconveniently, I forgot I had the can of bean sprouts in my fridge because I put them in the fridge in case we screwed up recording and I had extra for pizza and I stuck them in the back. And I found them today because I opened the fridge and they finally started to stink it up a little bit. And I was like, what? Mm. What is that smell in the fridge? And in the back, I, peeking out at me was a Lachoy can. Ugh. And I knew. So never yeah. again with bean sprouts on pizza. And speaking of pizza, Chris, you had uh, an interesting Pizza Friday post. Is that right? I did. 
So I had an experimental pizza from my local pizza place, which I saw it on the menu, and my first thought was this feels like it would be in a TMNT episode. It was a crab rangoon pizza, which anybody that knows us knows that we love crab rangoons, probably our favorite takeout Chinese menu item. A little disappointed in the pizza. I think it could have been executed better. I think the, the concept is good, but the execution lacked. It was just cream cheese heavy, so a lot of hot cream cheese doesn't sit well in your tummy when you're eating a small pizza. <laughs> and uh, uh, speaking of Pizza Friday, Chris, you want to remind everyone for the Twitter how that works in case uh, we've got some new listeners on board? Yes. So or every in case pizza... some of our show hosts also need a yeah. refresher. True. John clearly doesn't remember. So for John and everybody else out there, <laughs> Pizza Fridays, I will tweet from the TMNT Shellcast account on Twitter. Uh, I'll send out the latest, whatever uh, the pizza time was for the episode we released on Wednesday with a photo um, with the hashtag Pizza Friday. And we encourage everybody to join in, add on to the post, tweet at us with whatever pizza you're eating that day, or maybe even you had that week that you want to share. Um, we'll take anything. Obviously, the more creative ones are fun, but we'll take a cheese pizza. We'll take a pepperoni. I could go on and on, but the idea is that everybody shares what they're scarfing down on a Friday. Very good. So you I only... Did. I did order pizza this weekend. Unbelievable. Interesting. I did. You would have never known that by looking at our Twitter account because John <laughs> did not share. Yeah. I... One time, I was I was probably a month ago. I did a pizza Tuesday post. So anytime I get pizza, I'm putting it. I'm tweeting it out on Twitter hashtag Pizza Friday on a Tuesday. And uh, let's see, yeah, let's see what we can uh, what we can get from the fans. But with that said, in addition to TikTok, we are on Instagram. We are on TikTok. Did I just say TikTok twice? You did. You yeah. did. Yep. Then, we're so big on TikTok, obviously. Counts, we are big on TikTok. Yeah, John, give us a little rundown of the TikTok. TikTok is doing great. I've got some funny... I'm trying to stay hip with the trends. i got some funny posts on there. Uh, some poking fun at Chris, some poking fun at Leonardo. So, Leo, get your shit together. I'm interacting with... in the com- I'm in the comments, baby. I'm slumming it up in the comments, liking things, reacting to people. So, if you want some action, go on TikTok. Nice. And as yeah. always, our poll is on TikTok. So. Yes, and we'll get to the TikTok poll later. Um, and then uh, the, the other avenue you can find us on is Instagram. That's my domain. I do a lot of mid-journey AI-generated art. So if you want to see some unique interpretations of episode stuff, then head over there. Do you guys see the post for last episode, Sky Turtles? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. And one of the better AI generated art schemes. Yeah, I liked it. So head on over there if you want to check that out. But without further ado, we're going to jump into the episode recap. So, again, this is season three, episode six, titled The Old Switcheroo. We have a beautiful scenic introduction. I think it's a, a, a panoramic of the Channel Six news building. Um, and again, Chris mentioned this. Uh, think last episode where we're getting back to these kind of artistic introductions however in this episode irma completely ruins the opening scene because she's complaining about men once again 
kind of getting older around. Yeah. He's got a lot of dates. Yeah. And I forget this guy's name. Get this guy's name that she's complaining about, but April, her confidant is there, um, and she's giving her a little pep talk. Uh, it, but then she's interrupted by Burn, her boss. So she rolls into his office, and what does Burn tell April, John? There, something comes across the police wire that there is some creepy crawlies hanging out at a lab downtown. Byrne thinks that April might know them or they might be related to the turtles. And so he sends her on the case. And I thought to myself, April, is she not trying to keep her relationship with the turtle secret anymore? It's like out in the open now. Yeah. So what I was going to mention is after, so last episode for those um, that maybe forgot, essentially the turtles uh, reverse the, anti-gravity device that Krang and Shredder were using to try to, again, take over the city, immobilize the city, and then destroy the turtles. So uh, I think it was pretty obvious that the turtles were assisting April because number one, she was calling them on the troll comm, but number two, uh, the turtles saved the entire Channel 6 building from floating off into space. So you would think Burn might have a little bit more... Um, give the turtles... Yeah, give the turtles a little bit more of a leash um, despite all kind of the negativity that we saw from some of the prior episodes, um, uh, the Kellerman news station and report, but here he's just kind of doubling down and you're exactly right. John April is to follow up on the ports of a weird character or weird characters at Cybertech laboratories. Is that how news worked then stuff was just like, who's sending that to them across the wire? It's just a hot lead. Hot tip. Just like a tipster, just like before they go to the police, they just send it to Channel Six News. I never understood how how those things worked. I'm not sure, but it's kind of a a nice little fax machine that he's got on its own little table there. Very old school. But um, so April races out of Channel Six building, and then we have a cutscene to the lair, and Donnie has a new invention. And Chris, what is that invention? Donnie has invented a pizza maker that produces pizzas at twice the rate of your standard pizza maker. Yes. A super fast pizza maker to cut cooking time in half. And the first trial is successful. Mikey uh, enjoys it so much, in fact, that he he convinces Donnie to increase the speed to high. And that is not a good thing because what happens is the machine overloads and ultimately explodes um, propelling nuts and bolts and lots of other metal debris shrapnel if you will uh, into the air and leo is injured during this explosion he has a bruise i think it's on his arm i'm not entirely sure Um, but it's significant because why is that john because it forces Splinter to join the Turtles in their next adventure in this episode. I will say, we don't know if the other Turtles are injured because Splinter only cares and asks Leo. <laughs> he, he just immediately says, oh my gosh, you're injured. Are you okay? Leo shrugs it off. It's a bruise. 
And that's the only question that gets asked. Nobody else cares about the other turtles and whether or not they may have been injured. I I will say too, Andrew, your description of the pizza. I think we need a nut pizza on the pizza wheel because of the Ooh. nuts and bolts that were tossed yeah. onto the pizza yeah. here. You know what? what are that's thoughts on that? Phenomenal. I 100% agree. <clears throat> and and if you recall when he ran it the first time, he said all you have to do is add the ingredients. Yep. And in his little stack of ingredients were tomatoes and sausage. So maybe a tomato and sausage pizza as well. There was sausage. I didn't catch the sausage. Huh, there were nice. sausage wings. May have been pepperoni. It's hard to tell with the animation, but there right. were definitely sausage wings in the pile on the floor. All right. So we're calling that. We're going to go sausage and nuts. Two separate pizzas on the wheel. Nut pizza. Nut pizza. Interesting. All right. Um, but the invention would have been cool if uh, if it did work. But as John mentioned, um, Leo's injury uh, propels Splinter to insist on joining the Turtles who receive a TurtleCom ring from April, who's kind of updating them of what she has found at Cybertech Labs. So she raced down there. She's got her, her um, news camera rolling and she calls the Turtles to say that Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady are these weird characters that have been reported at Cybertech Labs. So she, she is hot on the story. She's got her camcorder out. And unfortunately, since she's so consumed in capturing what's happening there, um, she accidentally knocks a wrench off of the catwalk that she is perched on. So she's she's above the Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady. And she knocks off a wrench, which alert shredder that someone is there and so he immediately finds out it's april o'neill and calls her by her full name yeah and it was very <laughs> funny prior to her kicking the wrench off she was filming them and they bebop and rock city dropped a crate onto shredder's foot and it reminded me of america's funniest home videos when we were kids i don't know if that's still a show probably is but a very it comical is. scene she had caught on tape until she alerted everybody that she was there. She also called uh, it was Shredder and his Goonies. Yeah. Which I thought was just an interesting adjective to describe. It's goons, really. Goonies was very childish, which I suppose they were. But yeah. I mean, you get at some point, you just get tired of saying Bebop and Rocksteady every single time. That's true. That is true. But she was kind of cackling and giggling like at what she was capturing. So in a way, I think karma, you know, karma unfolds and that's why she gets, she gets discovered. Um, so that's happening. And again, you know, she had called right before the, uh, you know, her alerting of her presence to shredder. So that that's where the turtles are headed out to. They're headed to Cybertech labs. Splinter is joining them due to Leo's injury and the turtles, when they do arrive, we have a very intense fight fight scene here. Actually, one of the better ones in recent memory, I think, in my opinion. Um, and and um, Raph is back. Raph is back this episode. He starts off the fight with a toss of both sides. One which pins Rocksteady. 
Um, and I can't, it was, uh, I can't remember what happened with Rocksteady exactly, but I know Bebop is the one that gets caught by his like ponytail against the wall. Is that right? Yeah, I think Rocksteady's like gun belt gets pegged to the wall. Yeah. Or his bandolier, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Either way, they're both pinned to the wall. Um, so that happens right away. And then, speak of fights, we have a Shredder and Splinter duel. Mono e mono, which we also haven't seen in a long time. And the this cats is like and dogs, they just see each other and it's on the spot right. going at it. Yeah, Johnny on the spot just showing up. Um haymakers. And and in my opinion, Splinter kind of has the upper hand. I think he he tosses or he he evades Shredder and then maybe tosses him or something. But all in all, I like first two minutes of the episode of, or maybe three, four or five minutes. Great fight scene. I'm a hundred percent on board with, with the plot here. Yeah. And they like the Raph basically kicked the door in and instantly pinned Bebop and Rocksteady to the wall. So a very, I guess, aggressive number one, quick response time. By the time she hung up the phone, they were kicking the door in, but number two, just very, very intense <laughs> fight scene. And like he, they were up in the rafters and he threw those saws across the warehouse with pinpoint accuracy where he could have killed Bebop and Rock City with a sigh to the throat. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, true. they breathe a sigh of relief because they Ooh, are only pinned to the wall. Pun intended. So um, Bebop and Rock City are pinned. Sure, and Splinter are fighting. April, remember she's on the catwalk. She, uh, I think the turtles are yelling to her to, to jump down because somebody starts to break free, um, I believe of the sigh so april leaps off the catwalk into michelangelo's arms and he does a little turtle 360 um spin out on a shell um but everyone is doing pretty good until bebop and rocksteady both break free and grab their blasters they start shooting at them and scatter the turtles who are again the level below so bebop and rocksteady are up on the catwalk shooting at the turtles it scatters them and then bebop um shoots at shredder or i'm sorry splinter as well and kind of forces him to retreat into this ominous platform donnie is getting in the action too so donnie tosses shredder onto a second ominous platform so we got shredder and splinter kind of catching their breath or or just you know hitting the ground on these platforms um, and then what happens next, Chris? What happens is, well, first, hell of a toss by Donnie. Yeah. Because he gets grabbed from behind and flips him over with his bow staff. But what happens next is Bebop, I believe it's Bebop, it might be Rocksteady, are f- continuing to fire at the turtles and hit the control panel for the machine, activating it. And it appears that they shock or electrocute shredder and splinter yeah so leo bruised leo is the one that deflects rock city's blast directly into the control panel Um, and as you mentioned uh, it activates the machines above the platforms and splinter and shredder are zapped and they faint so seeing that their boss is hurt bebop and rock city they shoot kind of in this random like patch in the ceiling which causes um, the ceiling to collapse and create uh, a sort of blockade in which they can rescue Shredder 
and get him out of there while the turtles um, recognize even though they could pursue shredder bebop and rocksteady that splinters hurt so they must save their sensei and get him out of the building as well um, and then i believe you know uh in the in the immediate next scene that the building's caught on fire um so clearly there's imminent danger and so what bebop and rocksteady do is they uh exit the building and hop into a catering truck which they then um, drive off and the turtles um, kind of simultaneously grab splinter they retreat to the turtle van and at that point the turtles and splinter separate from april who's heading back to the channel six news building to file like the the footage or whatever she's about to do there yeah not very uh concerned about splinter's well-being even though he nursed her back from the gazai plant he was tending to her every minute she just ditches him for, to run for her news story which was a little disappointing but i will also say that there's just it feels like every time they're near a machine, this old switcheroo happens. So April got turned into a cat. This happens. I think everybody just needs to take a break from being near machines because <laughs> every single time this is what happens. And not only that, but every single time it's some inadvertent like blaster shot or somebody getting tossed into the machine that activates it. So even if you are near these machines, Bebop and Rocksteady like stop firing your weapons. Um, and it even happened to Shredder, I think season one, when he was in that warehouse, remember where Mikey got tied up with Baxter yeah. and the Mausers? Um, and I think it was Mikey that was kind of playing the cat and mouse game and had baited him into shooting into one of the control panels. And yeah. Irma got blasted by accident, turned 50 feet tall. Right. So yeah. 90% of the time, it's a mistake whenever these machines are around. Although Bebop and Rocksteady, though, they, they're like crack shots and then all of a sudden in this episode they're just firing away from like death from above which i get it you're on the catwalk it's like shooting turtles in a barrel but got a little trigger happy it's true so we learn and it's it also is quite convenient that every time they need a car they're just there's something right there and they're able to like the keys are in it or they're able to start it same with the ambulance from a couple episodes ago same with this catering truck so yeah so bebop and rocksteady and shredder take the catering truck to what looks like the city dump or some sort of rundown part of the city where they then um, have access to the transport module so their plan is to head back to the technodrome um, but in that catering truck scene, that drive, um, Shredder regains his consciousness. Um, but we learn that the accident at the lab caused a neuron mind transfer, which switched Splinter and Shredder's minds into each other's bodies. So hence the title, The Old Switcheroo. And Chris had alluded to that uh, just a few minutes ago. So we have Splinter splinter's mind and consciousness in shredder's body and shredder's mind and consciousness in splinter's body so to avoid confusion for the rest of this episode i'm going to refer uh, when i refer to splinter i mean splinter's mind and consciousness which is shredder's body 
that makes sense. And then same with Shredder. When I say Shredder, even though he's in Splinter's body, I'm still going to refer to him as, as Shredder. The body is just a vessel, so that makes yeah. perfect sense. Uh, but with that neuron mind transfer, that leads us into our first segment of the episode, which is called Player Select Mind Transfer Host. Let's kick shout! In the spirit of the neuron mind transfer, what I have prepared for John and Chris uh, via chat GPT is uh, four, I guess, categories of individuals who have had a significant impact on a specific topic or time in history. So what, and I'll elaborate on those groups, but um, first the rules, John and Chris have reviewed these lists and I've asked them to select a individual that they would like to have their mind transferred into and create a compelling argument for why I should agree with them. So um, they may choose the same one, we don't know, but uh, the moral of the story is I will award a point for uh, the person that is the most convincing. And at the end, whoever has the most points will win the segment. The first category are 10 individuals who have had a significant impact on history and are widely recognized minus religious figures here. I didn't want to dabble in the uh, religion realm. So these are 10 individuals who had a significant impact on history, and they are Isaac Newton, uh, physicist, mathematician, astronomer, Newton's laws of motion and universal gravitation laid the foundation for modern physics. Number two, Albert Einstein, one of the greatest scientists in history. Einstein developed the theory of relativity and made groundbreaking contributions to physics. Leonardo da Vinci, a polymath and of the Renaissance period, da Vinci's artistic brilliance, scientific discoveries and inventions continue to inspire generations. William Shakespeare, regarded as the greatest playwright in the English language. His works, such as Romeo and Juliet and Hamlet, remain celebrated worldwide. Alexander the Great, who we mentioned last week, um, ancient Macedonian king, he conquered much of the known world and left a lasting legacy in the realms of politics, military, strategy, and culture. Cleopatra, the last active pharaoh of Egypt, Cleopatra's reign and captivating personality have made her an enduring symbol of ancient Egypt. Nelson Mandela, a prominent activist and the first black president of South Africa, Mandela's lifelong struggle against racial inequality earned him global recognition. Mahatma Gandhi, Known for his philosophy and nonviolent resistance, he led a successful Indian independence movement against the British rule and inspired civil rights movements worldwide. Julius Caesar, Roman general, statesman, and notable author, he played a pivotal role in the rise of the Roman Empire and the transformation of the Roman Republic into an imperial system. Uh, Mary Curie, I don't know if that's actually how you say her name. Marie. Marie. Come on, Andrew, you're a science guy. Marie Curie. Curie. Uh, I apologize. She is a pioneering physicist or was a pioneering physicist and chemist. She was also the first woman to win a Nobel Prize and the only person to win Nobel Prizes in two different scientific fields, which are physics and chemistry. And notably died from radiation poisoning because of all her experiments. Yep. Wow. So, John, I'm glad you knew that because if you picked her... I was going to light you up with that fact. So. 
<laughs> Tip so, of the hat. Well done. So that is our first, uh, and again, there's four rounds here. So those are the first 10. And these are just, um, before we get into it, I was just very intrigued by chat GPT's list from one to 10 here. Um, Isaac Newton topping the list, but quite the blend of, we've got some scientists, we've got some artists, we've got playwrights, we've got conquerors, we've got, you know, uh, activists. It's, it's quite uh, an interesting list. And so with that said, um, what we will do here is have John and Chris select who would like to go first. We'll alternate I'll rounds. Okay. I will let John go first. Unless you want so to. Okay. Go. Okay. Here is my pick. Cleopatra. And here is why. One, keen viewers of YouTube, you may have seen a cat just mosey across my screen. The Egyptians, worshippers of cats. The Great Sphinx, Chris, ever heard of it? Andrew, I'm sure you've heard of it. Here uh-huh. is also the reason why. Cleopatra was a total babe. She basically, her and Alexander the Great were doing things and enjoying love. But the biggest reason, <laughs> the biggest reason. That's just not, a, that's not true, <laughs> but okay. Continue. The biggest reason is, and I, this is total speculation, but it's kind of like if you're the president, you know all about uh, Area 51 Roswell. If you're Cleopatra, you're the leader of the Egyptians. You would have to have some insight into the how the ancient Egyptians created the pyramids, what was going on there. Was it aliens? Was it not aliens? There was an interesting fact that Cleopatra actually lived closer to the current day than to when the Great Pyramids were built. That's how long the Egyptians Whoa. ruled for. Yeah. So like there were ancient Egyptian archaeologists to Cleopatra. They were like people discovering Egyptian history. But I feel like maybe through some reason she might know. But anyways, I'm picking Cleopatra. Egyptian, very powerful. Very powerful dynasty. So first, I will dismantle your pick before I make my own. Well, Cleopatra. Wait. Hold hold that no. thought. Yeah. Hold that thought okay. because I want to debate. I want, Check well, because I will select and then, and then we can uh, eviscerate each other. Okay. So I go with my pick now? Yeah. Okay. I will go with the man I mentioned last episode, Alexander the Great. Let me tell you why, John. One, what you said about Alexander the Great and Cleopatra was not true. They were not <laughs> contemporaries, so let's just get that off the board. Alexander the Great, the one of the, the greatest conquerors of all time. We put him on the Mount Rushmore. He expanded the Macedonian Empire to the largest empire known to man at the time and the coolest part about that is not conquering people because that's questionable if you should do that but the things that he saw and reported back nobody had ever seen before in his time so elephants tigers all the animals he saw in the east we'll call it the far east india all that stuff spices foods people all stuff that they had heard about, they had never seen. So it's basically like you're you're exploring space or, or the West in America in pioneer times. Everything you see is new and exciting. You get to name cities after yourself. 
His legacy has lived on greater than Cleopatra's, I would say. Uh, Alexandria in Egypt, John. Ever heard of it? Oh, that was named after Alexander the Great. And he ended the Egyptian Empire by conquering them. So Alexander the Great, though he died young, lived a hell of a lifetime in the 30-some-odd years he was alive. So Plus it's better... Well, never mind. I'm not going to say it. Yeah, I will make my selection and then we can have a little uh, discussion back and forth. So Cleopatra, I... John, I was sold on your uh, little pitch there until you had me realize because i i also agree i love the mystique around the pyramids i do think it was aliens i would love to know how it was created but you had said that she lived closer to modern time than when the great pyramids were created so she knows probably about as much as we do in current times about the pyramids so i'm going to go with chris and award the point to alexander the great because he does have a lasting legacy. Um, and I did a little bit of, I didn't research these, but after last um, last episode, I did check out Alexander the Great a little bit. And I think Chris mentioned this. He kind of inadvertently, um, what, created like the East-West trade? Basically, yep. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm gonna give an award, Chris, to the point for Alexander and, the Great. And just a couple of facts to fact check, John. Uh, the Sphinx is now believed to have predated the Egyptian empire. So probably had nothing to do with them. And they think they swapped the Pharaoh's head onto just a statue of a lion. So throw that point out the window. Cleopatra, not <laughs> romantically linked to Alexander the Great, but instead Mark Antony, who I believe betrayed Julius Caesar or was part of that whole deal. And she famously killed herself by letting a poisonous snake bite her because she, I think she was either going to get overthrown or she was in exile or something along those lines. So not a great yeah. end if you're Cleopatra. Okay. Here, I I accept not getting the point, <laughs> but I'm gonna make I'm gonna I'm gonna um, make a point here. The question was, who would you want to switch consciousness with? Yeah, Chris, you are aware of all of the things that Alexander the Great already discovered. You know those things, so you're they're not new and novel to you. You're just going around looking at an elephant. Why not just go on a safari? I'm trying to be Cleopatra because I want to be a queen. I want to be worshipped. I want to understand what the Egyptians did. I want to understand the secrets of ancient Egypt. So he I'm was also consciousness. I'm switching consciousness because there's things that I, I don't know. Your, your argument for switching with Alexander the Great, it was not an argument to switch consciousness. It was just an argument of Alexander the Great. No, could, but, John, I'm saying you, I get to report back all of those things. And so the reason I would want to switch with Alexander the Great over Cleopatra is because based on what I read about Alexander the Great, he was essentially like a legend in conquering the world. So I would love to see, like somebody had mentioned last week, his military strategy is like still used today so i'd love to be on the forefront of seeing what war was like um way back when yeah. i mean so, cleopatra was the fucking queen of egypt that is no, a, that doesn't get much higher than a leader uh pharaoh i'm, I'm fine I'm, pharaoh. i take i take the i take the the defeat there that's fine 
I just don't I know. Just throw cast. Cle- I throw doubt onto Chris's argument. Besides Cleopatra and the rumors that she was a total babe, I don't know anything that she actually did. Like, you know what I mean? Like, maybe I should watch that new HBO series. They rolled her up in a carpet and naked. That's what everyone remembers. Yeah. She was basically like a, I don't want to be derogatory, but like a high profile escort, essentially. Yeah. Take that, Cleopatra. Yeah. So, so on to round two. <clears throat> These are the 10 celebrities who have achieved significant fame and cultural impact. And briefly, I will overview them. It will be Chris's lead here. Um, we've got Marilyn Monroe at number one. Iconic actress and sex symbol of the 50s and 60s. Her beauty, talent, and tragic life continue to captivate audiences. Elvis Presley, known as the king of rock and roll, he revolutionized popular music, became a global sensation with his charismatic performances. Michael Jackson, legendary pop singer, songwriter, and dancer, his innovative music, dance moves, and humanitarian efforts made him one of the most influential entertainers in history. Madonna, referred to as the queen of pop. She is a singer, songwriter, and actress known for pushing boundaries, reinventing herself, and staying relevant across decades. The Beatles, who again, obviously are not one person, but that's what Chet GPT gave us. Um, so comprised of John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr, British rock band that transformed music and popular culture in the 60s. Charlie Chaplin, pioneering actor, comedian, filmmaker, his silent films, most notably his character, The Tramp, made him an international star and symbol of comedy. Audrey Hepburn, elegant actress and fashion icon, her timeless beauty, talent, and humanitarian work continue to inspire generations. Muhammad Ali, widely regarded as one of the greatest boxers of all time, his uh, charisma, outspoken personality, made him a global sports and cultural icon. Princess Diana, the people's princess. Diana, princess, princess of Wales, captivated the world with her charm, grace, and humanitarian efforts, leaving a lasting impact on society. And lastly, Tom Hanks, an acclaimed actor and producer. Hanks has delivered memorable performances, earning him widespread recognition and multiple awards. That, my friends, is the 10 celebrities that Chat GPT believes had the uh, that achieved the most significant fame and cultural impact. So quite the diverse list there. And I'll kick it over to you, Chris. Uh, convince me of who you would want to swap consciousness with. So until you mentioned it at the start of the segment, I didn't realize G- Chat GPT had put these together. So this list in particular, I was like, what is Andrew, what is he <laughs> doing? This list makes no sense. Yeah, but- not me. That was the AI. I may have laughed at the end when you said Tom Hanks, but I am choosing Tom Hanks to switch consciousness with. Tom Hanks, I would love, first of all, everybody loves Tom Hanks. I can't think of a single person that doesn't like his movies or thinks he's a bad person. So you're just widely adored. He also is able to keep a low profile so you can have the adoration without being constantly pestered and more importantly he's woody from toy story so to have that live on all of his iconic roles i can't think of a movie he's made that isn't a blockbuster smash hit so tom hanks his initials are thanks which is also pretty cool (laughs) (laughs) his short name is thanks so 
I'm going with Tom Hanks. Chris, yet again, I am left unclear of why you would want to switch <laughs> consciousness with Tom Hanks, <laughs> other than just arguing and giving us a biography of Thanks himself. Oh, uh, well, it's because no response. We'll get to There's it. no response like there. The this one. is my time. Yep. I reclaim my time. <laughs> <laughs> we right, agreed John, not so. to bash each other before yeah. you pick. I'll just say that. I agree. That I one. agree. I agree. I didn't bash. I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud here. So Chris leaves every other possible option for me, which is how this game works. And I, I'm at a loss for what to pick now because I just, I, I don't know. On the top of my list, I had the, the baddest Muhammad Ali. And here's why. One, switching consciousness with Ali, not in his, and I'm going to pick in his prime of boxing. You're the most physical specimen of an athlete perhaps that's ever existed. You're quick and you're nimble. There's if Watch a highlight video of Muhammad Ali as he's dodging punches. It's unbelievable. You have the cultural influence. He was big into, I believe, Islamic religion and preached um, you know, tolerance of other religions. You would be able to go into all of the biggest fights, the Thrilla in Manila, the Rumble in the Jungle, all of the big fights you'd be able to do and just get fame and notoriety, switching consciousness and being able to do those things, I think would be incredible. And so for those reasons, also also one thing too, to be able to switch and just have the bravado and swagger that Muhammad Ali has, some of the greatest quotes of all time, I feel like being able to be in that body and, and experience that and sort of walk through that would be the victory, and so I picked Mr. Muhammad Ali. So, uh, Chris selected Tom Hanks to switch consciousness with. Uh, John <laughs> selected uh, Muhammad Ali. Uh, I'm going to give the point to John because uh, in my mind, right, so you're switching minds with Muhammad Ali, but you retain the physical like to john's point the physical um abilities so i would love to float like a butterfly and sting like a bee therefore okay Muhammad yeah Muhammad ali but for how long you float like a butterfly andrew before you start shaking like a leaf yeah from Muhammad i mean ali. i don't know that that's uh to be determined uh tom hanks i do love tom hanks don't get me wrong i just think if i was in his if my mind was in his body i wouldn't it would be me. Like it would just be me as an older guy. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I think here's I, his I charm, see his... that I lost. Yeah. <laughs> but here's one thing, John. The reason I didn't choose really anybody else on this list, Muhammad Ali was probably the closest. You like you you only spoke to the good parts of being Muhammad Ali. It's true. He was also I mean, widely hated and ridiculed, and like there were I'm sure there were assassination attempts. A lot of these other people were just super depressed. I wouldn't want that. As good as the good stuff is, I wouldn't want that to deal with all that hate. And yeah. I feel like Tom Hanks, just everyone loves him. It's true. But here's my he thought. He's lame. He's just kind of boring outside of that. I had two other contenders that uh, I would pick before both of those. One is Marilyn Monroe. And the reason I would choose that is I really want to know what happened with JFK. Like, it's exa that's exactly what I had RFK. on my list. Yeah, and exactly RFK. what I had on my list. Yeah. So she would have been number one pick. Number two probably would have been the Beatles for me because, again, like they revolutionized music and 
if I was in their body, I could play the instruments just like them, you know, and write like write the lyrics. So it would be cool to be on like that forefront of like the first like real mega stars, like from the music side. Which Beatle would you choose? Uh, I like John Lennon. I mean, obviously, uh, tragic R.I.P. John Lennon. Yeah, tough, but um, I love what song. What's the um, the war Imagine. song that he wrote? Imagine's great, but um, it was a great Christmas song. Yellow submarine. It's a great Christmas song. Um, I'll link it in the show notes. Oh, I can't, uh, can't yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, this is Christmas or something, maybe. So this is Christmas. I don't know, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, those would have been my two, uh, but left with those op- the options you guys gave me, it's Ali. Elvis was on my list too. Also yeah. some CIA stuff maybe in there. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, actually Elvis, yeah, definitely should be just in consideration. To, it kind of ended poorly. So. Yeah, just all the drugs. You know, granted, like yeah. all these people probably did drugs, but. Got on the uh, toilet with like 40 pounds of poop in his intestine or something, they say. Did you, were you telling Lover me about. Peanut butter and banana sandwiches. Yeah. So, John, are you the one that sent that? Or do we talk about this on the show, too, about Elvis and how he ate peanut butter and bacon sandwich? It was a peanut butter, jelly, and it bacon It was a sandwiches? peanut butter, banana, and bacon sandwich that was fried like a grilled cheese. And it was like like 8,000 like calories per. And he, he claimed to have eaten like 20 of them in a day or something like that. Yeah, he basically had like somebody on call whenever he wanted one to make him one in his house. And he would eat them at like three in the morning or whatever. Wild. Wild. Okay. So that moves us to round three. Ten musicians. And I've excluded the ones that we've already talked about here, but ten musicians. Um, I like music. You guys like music, so that's why we're doing musicians now who have had a significant impact on the music industry and gained widespread recognition. So again, this is from chat GPT and quickly I will overview them once again. So we have Beethoven composer and pianist, as they say in the trade, um, Beethoven considered one of the most influential figures in Western classical music, Mozart, a child prodigy and prolific composer. His contributions to classical music are immense. Um, Bach, so these are all like classical musicians to start. Bach, regarded as one of the greatest composers in the Western uh, musical history. Uh, he, and his works showcase his mastery of various musical forms. Bob Dylan, singer-songwriter and Nobel laureate, which I didn't know about Bob Dylan. His poetic uh, lyrics, folk, rock, sound, and social commentary have had a profound impact on popular music. Freddie Mercury from the band Queen. Uh, Mercury's powerful voice, flamboyant stage presence, and songwriting skills cemented him as one of the greatest rock performers in history. Beyonce, an accomplished singer, songwriter, and performer, Beyonce's powerful vocals, artistic vision, and cultural impact have made her one of the most prominent figures in contemporary pop music. Frank Sinatra, known as Old Blue Eyes. Sinatra was a legendary singer and actor with a career spanning several decades. His smooth voice, impeccable phrasing, and charisma made him one of the most popular popular and influential artists of the 20th century. Bob Marley, a reggae icon and cultural figure. Bob Marley's musical or music blended catchy melodies with socially conscious lyrics, spreading messages of love, unity, and justice. Prince, a multi-talented musician, singer, and songwriter. Prince was celebrated for his innovation, musical virtuosity, and flamboyant style. 
uh, John Strauss II, known as the Waltz King. Strauss composed numerous waltzes, polkas, and operettas that became synonymous with the Viennese music. So those are the 10 musicians that ChatGPT believes had the most significant impact on the music industry, minus the ones that were mentioned last round. So John, you lead us this round. Convince me of who you'd want to switch minds with. I will do that, Andrew. And my pick, though maybe unconventional, and I don't expect this to get a point potentially, but I'll make my best argument. I'm going with Johann Sebastian Bach. And here are my reasons why. He was alive, I believe, in the early 1600s, mid to late 1600s, somewhere in there. So switching consciousness to be able to go back into those times, I think would be very interesting to see how things actually were. Probably pretty horrible, but still. But the real reason that I'm picking Bach, he, so we consider, and this might be a little bit too highbrow here, but Western music is the way that Western music was developed and the, the reasons why it sounds good and why people enjoy it is because of Bach. Like he composed music in using the scales and notes of what we consider normal, I'll say normal, like like major and minor scale musics is what Bach created. But the reason that we think that music is good is because of his compositions of it. Like there's other like other cultures and other um, like communities or around the world have different scales for music, but Bach made Western music popular because of what he enjoyed to be doing. And so to have that type of influence on the world and be in the mind and body of someone that can compose that type of music to me would be very, very intriguing. So that's why I picked Bach. Okay. Right. That sounds Over boring. To Chris. I would choose, I'm not going to go with any of these classical dorks. I'm going to go with Frank Sinatra because for his era, he was the celebrity. He, number one, incredible singer and just like he was the definition of cool, sharp dressed. He was a crooner. He ran with comedians. He ran with movie stars and actresses. He ran... Uh, with the mob, it's rumored. So there's some interesting pieces there. I, I look, Looking at the list, I don't think anybody's had a more interesting life uh, than Frank Sinatra. Was he a little bit of a booze hound? Probably. But that's just how the era was. So I'm going with Frank Sinatra because I think it would be the most exciting person to switch consciousness with. All right. So once again, not either two that I would have on my list. I was leaning personally. I'm a big fan of Bob Dylan's music. Ugh. Um, Ugh. He yeah. hit or miss with me. <laughs> Love it. Um, so why can you not yeah, think he's made of millions? I'm songs? Bob Dylan. That's <laughs> pretty good, uh, Bob Dylan. Yeah, actually, it wasn't bad. <laughs> uh, I think there is a. So I actually just saw that. Um, was it Benedict Cumberbatch or whatever the, the Doctor Strange guy actors? Yeah. He's playing Bob Dylan in a biopic. Uh, documentary biopic whatever you say biopic is it by bi- i don't th- i think it's biopic isn't it biopic right. i think that's the right word picture yeah and you said it right um, oh, I, bet I apologize but 
given the framework here, none of them are my favorite. I will say I'm awarding the point to John because. Because he fucking mumbo jumboed you with music theory. No. I don't even know if that's true. It Who is. knows if that's true? I'm going to take all it. The same, all those guys. Face value. But if John, if John is lying, I will track the point next episode. However, if uh, he really was essentially the basis for Western musical theory, he's kind of the pioneer in that realm. So everyone, you know, stands on his shoulders. So therefore, John gets the point. Frank Sinatra was also deaf. Where do we leave that out? Was it Bach that was deaf? I think so. No, I, I, mm, I think it was Mozart. I think Mozart went and cut his ear off or something. Deaf. Right? They went deaf. Then go. They yeah. went deaf as they were growing older, so they would play music and understand music through the vibrations of the pianos that they were playing. I did take. I was more or less a music minor in college, so Chris, suck on that. Trying to name. Uh, here's the th- here's my <clears throat> point. Again, I lost. I get it. Name of song like all those guys. They all blur together with whatever songs they came out with. Chris, so I was like Beethoven's I, Fifth Symphony. Yeah, I know. I I get it. I'm not arguing that their music. Like unless you, it's it's kind of I I disagree with you because that's like saying that country music sounds exactly like hip hop. Like you've just grown up with it. If you were to like listen to the music of Beethoven, Mozart, Bach, or, or Johann Strauss, I think Same. that you would, yeah, you would be able to, you know, talk through them and understand them. But I, I mean, I couldn't tell you. I, I don't. Also, your point that you would want to be the notoriety for creating modern, you wouldn't know that you were creating modern music. I, but I'm switching consciousness, so I would know that, that as I'm doing it, the impact that it would have on the world. Even though at the time, yeah, I wouldn't be like, you know, lauded for. It feels like you'd just be there people. hammering away on a piano forever in the six by candlelight. Yeah. Until your fingers bleed. But regardless, John is awarded the point. John has two points to Chris's one. We're in the final round, so Chris can tie it up. If he does, it'll be interesting because I don't have a tiebreaker. So. We have in round four of the player select mind transfer hosts, 10 superheroes. Cause after all, we're talking about the Ninja Turtles who are superheroes or heroes in a half shell at the very least. Um, so this is chat GPT's 10 superheroes who have had achieved significant popularity and have become icon figures in the realm of comic books and beyond. Superman is number one. Created in 1938, Superman is considered the quintessential superhero. With his superhuman strength, ability to fly, and dedication to truth and justice, Superman has become a symbol of heroism. Number two is Batman, debuting in 1939. Batman is a dark and brooding character known for his detective skills, martial arts prowess, and arsenal of gadgets. Batman's popularity has been fueled by his complex personality and the gritty world he inhabits. Spider-Man, introduced in 1962, Spider-Man has captured the imagination of audiences with his relatable alter ego, Peter Parker, and his ability to crawl walls and sense danger. Wonder Woman, created in 1941, Wonder Woman is an Amazonian princess with superhuman strength, agility, and a wide range of combat skills. She has become an emblem of female empowerment and has inspired generations of fans. 
Iron Man, debuting in 1963. Iron Man, also known as Tony Stark, is a billionaire industrialist who uses advanced technology and suits of armor to fight crime and protect the world. Captain America, first appearing in 1941. Captain America, also known as Steve Rogers, is a super soldier and symbol of patriotism. With his shield and unwavering moral compass, Captain America embodies the ideal, ideals of heroism and sacrifice. Hulk, created in 1962, the Hulk is a green-skinned, superhumanly strong alter ego scientist Bruce Banner. The character's inner struggle and destructive power of the Hulk have made him an enduring and fascinating hero. Wolverine, introduced in 1974, Wolverine, also known as Logan, a mutant with retractable adamantium claws and a healing factor. Wolverine's gruff demeanor, mysterious past, and ferocious combat skills have made him a fan favorite. Thor, inspired by Norse mythology, Thor is an Asgardian god of thunder who wields the mighty hammer, Mjolnir. With his godlike powers and larger-than-life personality, Thor has gained popularity in both comics and on the big screen. And lastly, at number 10, Black Panther. Appearing first in 1966, Black Panther, also known as T'Challa, is the king of the fictional African nation of Wakanda. With his enhanced abilities and advanced technology, Black Panther has become a symbol of African and Black excellence. So, Chris, who would you like to transfer consciousness with this was the easiest one for me i am transferring my consciousness with thor number one thor is a god which is just incredible to be able to transfer my brain into the body of a god not only a god but the god of thunder which is arguably the coolest thing to be the god of i get to see all of the universe in different realms i have all that knowledge pour into my brain as I experience it and I'm super cool looking I have an awesome hammer that would just be so satisfying to smash people with and I really for the most part have no weaknesses so I'm going to choose Thor Thor is a great pick I on the other hand uh, let's see. I think I'm going to go Black Panther, which is probably the most predictable pick that I could have. Yeah. But here, here's my reason why. Vibranium. Here's the second reason why. There's all like all of the other superheroes that were on this list, other than Thor, are more or less humans that somehow became a superhero. Like I'm not picking Batman, and I'm not picking. Iron Cap. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Or Iron Man or Wolverine. So I need to make the argument for Black Panther. I like the fact that there's a little bit of mystique and magic to it. You eat the, you switch consciousness, you get to eat the plant, go into the afterlife and see. I think Black Panthers are somewhat mysterious. Um, you have like the most powerful element on Earth and you get to fly all these super, like the technology is so high tech. And I, I think other than Thor, Black Panther would probably be the best pick just to be able to experience all that firsthand. So I pick Black Panther. Wakanda forever. R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, R.I.P. Chadwick for sure. Um, however, John, I'm going with Thor. I, I mean, you I'm got sorry. It. it was predictable. I knew you were going Black Panther. Uh, I agree with Chris. 
if I could switch consciousness with a god and fly around to different realms, uh, it's hard to beat that. Um, but I do agree with you, John. Uh, yeah. I would not. Thor was pick, my number one pick too. Yeah, I would not pick um, Batman. I would not pick Iron Man. I would not pick Black Panther because they are just humans with technology, essentially. In my mind, I know Black Panther has a little bit more. <laughs> Than that but in general um so i was between like thor i think hulk would be cool too like having being the strongest like being in the entire universe arguably it's kind of cool yeah, but, so tortured though yeah yeah that's so that's important. that's the thing that yin and yang with bruce banner not ideal captain america also cool but like he's not as strong as hulk so why would i switch with him and everyone he loves is like in the past yeah he got frozen and fast forwarded so that's tough i wonder, my second uh, was wonder what that would be Fuck Superman. But Thor is just a better Superman. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, Superman exactly. Fucking blows. But he's and, good at, uh, like, if you had to be somebody, he's good at everything. Yeah, because you can fly. So that yeah, would be fun can. to fly and run fast and be super strong. It's just yeah. Thor up, one-ups him. I'd rather be Wonder Woman. Fly an invisible jet. Yeah. So the player select mind transfer host ends in a tie, and there is no tie break. So you guys will have to share the title. Of, uh, of co-champions. Unless a little fact-checking nips one of us. Well, yeah. Perhaps we John will, Bach. We, <laughs> will, um, we can decide that on the next episode. So listeners, tune in to the next episode to see who wins player select. But that brings us back to the episode recap. And where we left off was... Uh, the acknowledgement and uh, awareness that Splinter is in Shredder's body and Shredder is in Splinter's body. So Shredder, who again, to remind listeners, when I say Shredder, I mean Shredder's mind, which is in Splinter's body. So not to get confused here, but Shredder is very eager to find the turtle's lair. So he's in the turtle van, he comes to, he realizes, man, this is perfect. I can find out where they live and then destroy them. Um, whereas Splinter, who uh, awakes in the catering van, is eager to find where the Technodrome is. Because uh, if you guys remember um, from the end of season two, it had uh, collapsed into the Earth's crust and lays buried somewhere you know, near the center of the Earth. So they're both eager Splinter, I think, makes a comment where he is kind of having this internal struggle where he's like, well, I should go see where the Technodrome is, but I hope the turtles are okay. So kind of also, you know, throwing friends, family to the wind there, just like April did earlier in the episode, uh, which I found interesting. But unfortunately for Shredder, as they say, curiosity killed the cat. That is true. Chris, so Shredder. Do you know the rest of that saying? Curiosity killed the cat, but knowledge saved the human. No. The rat. No. Damn. Curiosity killed the cat, but satisfaction brought it back. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. I will say, good, not on that stupid saying, but uh, Splinter, a little bit better at faking being shredder yeah. shredder sucks at being fake splinter he just yep. is too angry 
Yeah. And we see that manifest a little bit later, even more. But what I thought was interesting about Splinter is he, he has Shredder's um, like mask open for a long time. Yeah. So that I feel like is maybe a visual cue that something's up with Shredder, Shredder's mm-hmm. body, because when, when is Shredder ever just like kept his face mask open? And I couldn't figure out it. It felt like Splinter still had Shredder's voice because he was in his body. But Shredder didn't have Splinter's voice. He was still sounding like Shredder. I paid close mind to that, Chris, because I thought at some point they would slip up. They they did a good job of okay. when there's internal dialogue, it's in the actor's voice that plays Splinter or Shredder. But when the character is speaking, they actually make it the voice of the character. And I couldn't remember. Maybe it's just because Shredder's voice is very distinctive in my brain. Splinter's is not. So I might have just got confused. Yeah. Yeah. They did a good job. So good job, animators and voice actors. So unfortunately for Shredder, who was eager to find the route to the Turtles Lair, he had a cold compressed towel placed over his eyes by Leo, who was trying to, you know, nurse him back to health as much as he could. So Shredder was unable to track the route through the sewer. Shout out Leo. Great move. Great move. Um, But... When he arrives, um, he's still, you know, we're kind of understanding, you know, why doesn't he destroy him immediately? We don't know. Um, but the turtles um, are hungry or they think food um, will help everybody recover. So they, uh, I think it's Mikey pulls a pizza out of the microwave or a little toaster of it perhaps and um, presents it to the group and everybody scarfs a slice, including Shredder, who if you guys recall from the early episodes is repulsed by pizza and prefers sushi. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that immediately raises a red flag with the turtles because it's out of character for splinter to eat pizza. Um, I'm going to make a a play here that we should put microwave pizza on the pizza wheel. Ooh. Yeah. Little Celeste with that little silver tray thing. Remember those? Ooh. Yeah, microwave pizza. All right, John, keep track of these pieces because I'll add them to the wheel. I agree with that. um, The turtles are kind of like confused that um, uh, of the pizza eating for Splinter's body. So, uh, and Shredder's like realizing that they're maybe onto him or, or he had tripped up. So what he does is he surprises the turtles with mandatory ninja exercises in the training room. And he's very angry, as Chris mentioned. He's like shouting, essentially how he speaks to Bebop and Rocksteady. Um, and the turtles, again, are surprised because they're not understanding why they immediately have to go back to training, but they do as good um, grasshoppers would. They hop into the training room and they are practicing their exercises. Now, meanwhile, back in the Technodrome, Crane is building something. We don't know what but he's building something or repairing something in the Technodrome. And he criticizes Shredder, or in this case, Splinter, in Shredder's body, Bebop and Rocksteady for not returning with the the thermal couple galvanometer, which do either of you have any idea what a thermal couple galvanometer is? Uh, no, I don't. No but all I know is if Krang asks for it, you better fucking come back with it. <laughs> yeah, well, they do not. Um, and what it is is a uh, 
it's 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 funny because it's all it does is measure electrical currents so it's a fancy way to say like a um mm. uh what are the things called nowadays uh voltmeter so it's actually it's a real thing yeah i looked it up it was invented in 1900 there's a patent oh. um so it's an old school old school way to measure electrical currents but um in any event in that scene splinter takes responsibility for his failure which is unusual because shredder is typically you know projecting onto others or blaming bebop and rocksteady for his failures so splinter is maybe not being too keen himself and maybe raising some flags with krang and company down the technodrome yeah, what i did feel like these scenes it's like a little bit almost like behind the scenes of what happens and like what dialogue happens between Krang and Shredder normally or between the Turtles and Splinter where like you you sort of see behind where like Bebop and Rocksteady are like, oh, we would have like we would have gotten the thing, but we ran into those Turtles and they didn't want to fight dirty. So like he's like making excuses for why they didn't do it, which I thought was just an interesting twist of the episode. Yeah, listen, my only sticking point from this so far is that give credit to Crane. He's very perceptive. The turtles just kind of brushed off Splinter eating pizza in their faces. Crane did not. We'll get into it, but Crane, Crane smells that something is afoot here. He's not punished. That, that is true. Um, but before we get to that, um, and with the mention of the thermocouple galvanometer, I wanted to do a little buy or sell. And this buy or sell is for sesquipedalian invention names. So sesquipedalian means lengthy or like, yeah. Uh, I had to look it up. I didn't even know how to pronounce it. I had to spell it phonetically. Uh, essentially, it means like overly long invention names. So thermocouple galvanometer, I thought was an excessive way to say essentially like a, a voltmeter. Um, so what I have prepared for John and Chris, who will work together in this round, is a list of 10 sesquipedalian invention names with a corresponding description that may be true or may be false. And it's up to you two to work together to decide if it's a if you're going to buy, which meaning it's true, or sell, meaning it's a false description of these 10. It's like when the turtles and Shredder fought the pizza monsters together. Yes. Yeah. So you guys just faced off. Now you're going to work together. I will pull up my list, which is on my phone because I didn't want anyone seeing it. Um, Smart move. So again, these are from chat GPT. And uh, they are 10 examples, real world examples. So these aren't made up names they're made up potentially made up descriptions of the invention if that makes sense okay so there are 10 real world examples of machines with complex or lengthy names so let's hop into it you guys know the rules yes yes okay everyone knows the rules number one synchrotron particle accelerator or advanced photon source so i will read the definition you guys will decide if it's true therefore you will buy or if it's false and you will sell. So here we go. 
a large scale machine that utilizes celestial alignments and cosmic vibrations to generate a flow of exotic particles. Synchrotron particle accelerator. So this definitely, I remember this from yeah. the turtle tech that I had done. Where I don't think synchron, it has anything to do with the stars. Celestial. I think celestial is just like Earth. I'm buying this. I say we buy. I was going to sell. The flow you, of like a particle accelerator decide. just takes two, it shoots particles at each other. I agree. This was saying the flow of exotic particles. I'll read yeah, it. I'll exotic read it being like. I can read it once yeah, more. Yeah, read it again. Uh, synchrotron particle accelerator, a large scale machine that utilizes celestial uh, alignments and cosmic vibrations to generate a flow of exotic particles. Yeah, I'm buying that. Absolutely buying that. I'll buy. You're buying? Yeah, I'm all trying to the weed. Uh, that is a false description. So you should have sold, Chris. Damn. You should have went with your gut. John a, was confident. Yeah. Synchrotron particle accelerator is a large scale machine that accelerates charged particles, such as electrons, to produce high energy X rays for various scientific and industrial applications. So, Chris, yeah. you you knew it. Uh, but, credit that ChatGPT was very sneaky there because basically it was saying it uses cosmic vibrations to shoot particles instead right. of like an electromagnetic. Yeah. yeah that's, field. I thought we. Oh, okay. All right. This is going to be a little trickier than I thought. Yeah. yeah. Hey, we're a team. Yep. Over for 1, we'll get better. Number two, spectrofluorometer. And the definition is a scientific instrument used to measure the fluorescence emission of substances, providing insights into their molecular composition and behavior. That's I'm buying that. Spectrofluorometer. I'm buying, I'm buying that. that? Yeah. Flowometer? I feel like that's like the flow of fluids. Spectral is like looking at something. Fluorometer measuring the level of fluoride. Whatever it said. No. I mean, okay. I'll go. Re- if you're buying it, we'll buy it. I'm buying it. I'm buying it. Okay. We'll right. buy. You guys get a point there. It is the correct definition. Chris nailed it on the head. Spectro is is a uh, you know, observation, fluorometer, meaning fluorescence. You're measuring the fluorescence emission of substances. So All right. you guys have one point. Number three, scanning tunnel, oh, I'm sorry, scanning tunneling microscope or STM. A device that utilizes quantum teleportation to visualize and manipulate objects at the subatomic level. I don't think I don't think science could do that, can it? Well, John's yeah, okay. the the expert on quantum the yeah, quantum, quantum mechanics or <laughs> quantum computing. Scanning but, tunneling microscope is that what you said? Sc- yeah, I'll read it one more time. Scanning tunneling microscope, a device that utilizes quantum teleportation to visualize and manipulate objects at the subatomic level. Can't no, teleport teleportation. Shit. Yeah, get yeah. out of here. Cell. All right, Cell. you guys. Yeah, you get that point. So. <laughs> It is, in fact, a device that utilizes a sharp probe to scan the surface of materials at the atomic level, enabling the visualization and manipulation of individual atoms and molecules. Jesus, this is very specific from Chad GPT here. Yeah, yeah. and I, I didn't fact check any of these, so um, just throwing <laughs> that out there too. So you guys are two for three. 
we're on to number four, which is gas chromatography, mass spectrometry, tandem mass spectrometry. Did you say or, that one word twice? Or is that... No, it's it's legit. <laughs> so it's otherwise known as GCMSMS. So gas chromatography, mass spectrometry, tandem mass spectrometry. Okay. Okay. Uh, and the definition is an analytical technique that combines gas chromatography with two consecutive mass spectrometry stages for the identification and quantification of complex chemical mixtures. I'm buying that. It just basically read. Yeah. It just reset the definition of different words. The name and yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I'll buy that. I'll, I'll buy that. I mean, it could be a curveball though. You never know. But are you locking in the final answer? Bye. Log in. All right. That is correct. That is a true definition. I didn't read it beforehand. So keen, <laughs> keen ears from you too. So you are three for four, <clears throat> which is great if you're uh, if that's your your uh, you know batting average for for yeah, a game. Hall of Fame. Number five, differential scanning calorie meter. I don't know if that's said a different way. Differential scanning calorie meter or DSC. Definition is a machine that subjects materials to its erythral vibrations to stimulate a, a thermal release. Differential scanning calorimeter is what I'm going to call it. Yeah. Calories measure heat being reset. Yeah, so I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Bye. Agree. Final answer. Bye. Uh, that is false. You should have sold. It's a machine used to measure the heat flow and thermal properties of materials as they undergo physical or chemical changes, providing insights into their melting points, phase transitions, and reactions. So they do not use erythral vibrations to stimulate thermal release. That's uh, what you guys erythral like, like the penis? You mean ethereal? Yeah, ethereal is what I was about to say. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> ethereal. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I thought it was just like earth vibrations, what you're trying to say. All right. Yeah, no vibrations used for um, differential scanning calorimeter. So you are three for five. Still, you know, still above 500 here. Number six, atomic force microscope or AFM. Not to be con confused with an AMF. Do either of you know what an AMF is? An awesome motherfucker. Close. It's an adios motherfucker. And it is a, a West Coast version of a Long Island iced tea that's blue. It uses blue oh. curacao instead of, um, instead of, uh, the orange liqueur that's in uh, I see. So once again, atomic force microscope, AFM definition is a high resolution microscopy technique that utilizes a fine probe to scan the surface of a specimen, providing detailed information about its topography, surface forces, and properties at the nano scale. I got lost in the sauce in the middle of that. I, don't, <laughs> just, I, feel like, I feel like that definition was eerily similar to the other scanning tunneling microprobe that we had. Although this yeah. was at the nano, not the atomic. Yeah, nanoscale. Atomic force microscope. You want me to read it one more time? Yeah, just one, one more quick. A high-resolution microscopy technique that utilizes a fine probe to scan the surfaces of a specimen providing detailed information about its topography, surface forces, and properties at the nanoscale. 
and it was the atomic force microscope. Yeah. yeah. This is a, mic- a microscopy technique. technique. I know. I don't, that's why I think it's wrong. Uh, technique yeah, I'm going to say is, false. Yeah. False. False. So it's true. Damn, Damn it. it. So <laughs> you guys are three for six. You're betting. Exactly. Oh, you had Chris. Yeah. Betting 500. So that is a true definition of atomic force microscope. On to number seven, which is the cryogenic electron microscopy or otherwise known as cryo EM, not EDM, but EM. So cryogenic electron microscopy, a lot of microscope stuff, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, but definition from chat GPT is an imaging technique that uses a transmission electron microscope to visualize the structures of biological macromolecules and complexes at cryogenic temperatures, enabling the study of their three-dimensional arrangements. Well, I was going to say they didn't say anything about cryogenic stuff, but then he just threw it in there. So I'm not by that. Uh, yeah, now I'm all over the place. I'm like, how many crew in a row we had? I'll buy. <laughs> all right. Buying is the correct answer. That is a true definition. So you guys are four for seven now. And we're into the last three here. So we've got number eight, polymerase chain reaction thermal cycler or PCR machine for short. So the definition is a laboratory instrument that creates a harmonious resonance field that enables the precise reprogramming of genetic material. Polymerase chain reaction thermal cycler. Nothing about yeah, thermal in there at all. I need a heat. I, I don't think you can rearrange stuff with, well, I'm saying cell. Cell. Yep, correct. So that, that was basically right. saying if you like put stuff at the right frequency, you can rearrange genes. Yeah, which is false. It is a laboratory instrument that automates the polymerase chain reaction process, allowing for amplification of specific DNA sequences in genetic research, diagnosis, and forensic analysis. So this is one of the few things I... G's and C's, am I right? Yeah, this is one of the few things I know about. It basically takes, you know, small-scale DNA segments and amplifies them so that you can actually... We can actually, like, read and process what what it is at at our, you know, our level, macro level. That's how Ant-Man gets big. So you guys are, what, four for eight? Is that right? Yeah. Four right. Yeah. We gotta do better no. than five. Can we just get that? Yeah. We were three five for six, eight. four for seven, five for eight. Five for eight. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So two to go. Number nine. Flow cytometer is a machine used in biology and medicine to analyze and sort cells or particles based on their physical and chemical characteristics, typically using lasers and fluorescence detection. Flow cytometer. False. Sell. Yeah, I sell that one. That was actually true. Need a flow Damn it. It was true. I don't the know what a cytometer is, but flow. Hustle and flow. So I remember flow cytometer, like when we would have, I, w- I worked in a um, tissue engineering lab. I, I was an intern um, during my undergrad. And we used a flow cytometer to basically um like separate certain cells that had begun their differentiate stem cells that had be become differentiated um like cardiac myocytes or along that process had certain markers and ones that didn't so basically flow 
like it actually did like just push them through this device that would just like through like a laser would just see like the nucleus or something i don't know how the fuck it worked but wild it would see something and it would basically just like push stuff to one side and other things to the other so fucking science damn yeah um all right so you guys are five for nine so this is we have to know this we're gonna get about 500 okay number 10 inductively coupled plasma mass spectrometer inductively coupled plasma mass spectrometer or icp-ms the definition is an analytical instrument that utilizes neural interfaces to establish a direct connection with the synaptic pathways of the human brain so inductively coupled plasma mass spectrometer there's nothing about plasma in that at all spectrometer is like weight isn't it spectrometer like is measure visually measure something yeah get that out of here so so you guys are correct so you are six for ten you know still an f uh or is that a (laughs) seven for ten not to go back but question Um, one big loomed big yeah an analytical instrument that combines inductively coupled plasma with mass spectrometry to detect and quantify trace elements and isotopes and samples commonly used in environmental analysis, geochemistry, and material science. That's the definition. So I thought it was um, going to be an air fryer once you read that. <laughs> <laughs> not bad. <laughs> Fancy name for like an air fryer. <laughs> not bad at all. So I don't know if you guys enjoyed either of those segments, but I did lean on chat GPT um, to generate a lot of the material. Mm. I can't claim accuracy but to chris's point john could have been seven for ten that would have been a c c grade would have looked a whole lot better than six for ten <laughs> but back to the episode recap we go so again just to leave off we have crane in the technodome smelling a rat pun intended Doug a fart. <laughs> <laughs> that people say crack a rat. Uh, as we know, Splinter is in Shredder's body. Um, he's not really selling it all too well because he's a take he's taking accountability and responsibility for his failures, which we know Shredder will never do. But Splinter wants to return to the surface, um, quote unquote, to retrieve the thermal couple galvanometer because he's hopeful that. Donatello and the turtles can figure out how to get him back to his actual body. He doesn't want to be Shredder anymore. He wants to go back to Splinter. And as Chris mentioned, Krang is suspicious of Splinter uh, because of this accountability. Um, but we have Splinter, Bebop, and Rocksteady heading into the transport module back to the surface when we then get a cutscene back to the lair. In the lair, Shredder enters the training room where the turtles are practicing their ninja exercises, and he interrupts the child's play, as he calls it, child's play training, to show them how a true ninja fights. Damn Which, fucking straight. Yeah. yeah. He grabs he, the scariest weapon known to man. Yeah. I don't even think it's a real weapon. It was like composed for the show just to be scary. Yeah, it's it's basically like a bow staff with like a huge katana blade at the end of it, right? 
and a mace ball. And a, like a, yeah, like a mace ball swing on the other end. end? Oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, so he grabs that and then he demands that the turtles attack him. And I think Leo's the one that's like, are you, are you sure master splinter? Like this seems, you know, in his mind, he's thinking it seems out of character, which of course it is because it's shredder in splinter's body. But as any good, um, ninjas would do, they listen to the sensei and they attack shredder. And this brief fight scene is absurd because shredder basically levels all of the turtles like within five seconds so leo's first up what happens to leo chris leo i'm pretty sure just gets like tossed yep. way back against the wall yeah so he's like running he gets tossed then john donnie's up what happens to donnie uh donnie also gets tossed yes he does he gets tossed into wrath in fact, I guess yeah. there's no way John knew that. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I guess not Leo. I don't remember exactly yeah. what happened. I just assumed yeah. they all got tossed. Yeah, they did. Except Mikey is the, is the only one that's smart enough not to. After the first three are absolutely leveled, he decides not to pursue um, Shredder. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we learned from that, and what the turtles learned specifically, and in, in specifically Leo, you know, again, the teacher's pet here. Um, he, he realizes that Splinter is not fighting in his normal style. And that's because, um, again, Shredder is in his body. And in fact, Leo believes that that fight reminds him of Shredder specifically. So they are like really on to what's going on here. Just like Krang, the turtles have finally come to and they know something is up. Yeah, so that was going to be my question to you guys is, do you think Shredder was able to defeat them so easily because it was his fighting style or because he was in Splinter's body? Because every other time they fought, for the most part, Shredder has struggled with the Turtles. Yeah, so I, when I watched the scene, I thought Shredder... Because it's his mind, right? So he only knows his like his fighting style, but he has Splinter's physical, like swiftness, um, the rat, like the whole rat, um, you know, um, physique component. Yeah, physique. So he's more nimble, more swift. Um, so you know, perfect mind and body combination to defeat the turtles in that quick little spar. Mm. At least that's how I uh, it it appeared to me. I could be wrong, yeah. but that's kind of so. Weird. Basically, if you combine Shredder and Splinter, they're the most unstoppable fighter. It seems like it. Yeah, I mean, it's because Splinter. Remember, Splinter was so Amato Yoshi. So Splinter before he mutated was I. I thought Shredder's sensei, and um, way back in Japan, yeah, whatever Japan. Right? So Orokosaki was like a pupil of Hamato Yoshi is my understanding. I could be wrong about that. But regardless, um, we get a little cutscene back to the, uh, let's see here, the Technodrome, right? So Splinter, and this is what was confusing to me because I thought Splinter was headed to the surface. Um, but we're back in the Technodrome and Splinter is kind of walking 
with Crane having a conversation and, and prodding him about the possibility of mind transfer, which again, Crane is kind of irritated. You know, he's, he's kind of secretive too, because I think Splinter even asked, like, do we have, after Crane confirms that the mind transfer process is possible, Splinter asks, like, do we have the technology here in order to carry that out? And then Crane gets like really defensive and cuts him short as he's like closing a door or like closet or something. Yeah, he's like, maybe, maybe not. Why do you give yeah. a shit? <laughs> yeah. Right. Listen, Crane, when you're a brain, your physical embodiment is a brain, you're very sensitive to mind swappery. That's true. Plus, he runs the show down there. So know your <laughs> know your station, Shredder. Do your job. Yeah, ask him a little bit. Asking a little too many questions, a little too yeah. much questions. Yeah, yeah. Too... I saw how like Splinter was like, oh, "I wonder if there's a way I can trick Krang into telling me." And then he was so obvious about how he asked the questions. There was no nuance or subtlety to it. Yeah, right. Yeah, very out of character for Shredder, for sure. So, upon this prodding, Krang is basically like, "Look, I'm going to scan your brain because I don't." know what is going on like shredder and bebop or um, bebop and rocksteady are kind of filling in the gaps in splinter's story so splinter essentially says like i'm not feeling like myself and then bebop and rocksteady chime in and said yeah you know it must be from when you were electrocuted or shocked on the platform topside and then that's what really raises the, the red flags to crane because he's like wait you were you were electrocuted you're asking about mind transfer. You're not acting normal. Let's scan your brain. Get right to the fucking bottom of it. Yeah. Crane, not known to fuck around, just has a hunch and he's going to strap him into a chair. Yeah. And, and strap him in. He does. And this is probably the most absurd scene in my mind in this series to date. So splinter, is strapped in, he cannot avoid having his brain scanned. And so the little helmet comes down and like starts glowing blue and starts reading his brain. And Crane is looking at a computer screen. So he has a baseline of what Trader's brain activity, brain waves <laughs> look like. So it kind of looks like a like an EKG or something. But brainwave pattern, he knows what Shredder should look like. As he's scanning Splinter, Splinter's brain, excuse me the pattern doesn't match initially. And then we have some internal like dialogue with Splinter where he's essentially like, I must will myself to match Shredder's brainwave so that I am not caught. And he in fact does it. And yeah. Krang and Krang confirms that the patterns match, which is the absurd. most absurd thing. Like, yeah, so absurd. But so it, I will... speaks, it speaks to um, Splinter's greatness i guess i don't know i don't know like he can manipulate his brain like that's wild so this i had i actually paused because i was like this is crazy and i was trying to justify how he could have been able to do that meditation so maybe hear me out yeah so when when you look at the machine that krang has hooked up shredder's brain wave baseline is less active than splinters when it's initially when it's when they're side by side splinters is jumping more so, because he meditates all the time, he may have been able to slow his brain. Because people know if you meditate, it slows your brain activity down or your brain waves, calms you. So, maybe that's how he was able to do it. How he knew 
you would have to know what Shredder's brain baseline is to be able to match it. But that was my way to justify it. His meditation. Why, but with why would his? But he needed to get more brain activity. No, he needed less. So Shredder's wave was yeah. Shredder's no, was Shredder's, less active. No, Shredder's was more active. Because it was I don't recall. Splinter was on the bottom and emerged up into Shredder's. Well, either way, it would work because he either meditates so much that he has a calmer baseline or he's smarter than Shredder, so his brain is normally more active, but he's able to slow it down. So either way, my theory would work. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, I cannot be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so this is how it's done, everyone. Yeah, so I thought it was a combination of meditation and then... Um, Specifically, he knows Shredder so well since he trained him that maybe he has like some insight to how his brain functions, like maybe better than anyone besides Shredder does. So I thought maybe the combination of those things would allow him to do that. But regardless, it's absolutely absurd, but he's able to trick Krang into believing that he is the true Shredder. Tough look for Krang there, I'll be honest. Yeah, not to so good look. To believe it. Like, oh, this is wrong. Oh, wait, now it's right. We're all good. Yeah. I yeah. spoke too soon. Oops. Yeah. Um, so back in the lair, we've got April returning to the turtles. She, she just dropped off the footage. She's coming back now to check on how Splinter is doing. Um, but Shredder in Splinter's body immediately kicks April out. Like he barrages her like verbally, verbally assaults her. And April is startled because she's like what the fuck is going on with splinter and that's when the turtles chime in and they say hey there's something weird going here why don't we come with you we'll go topside and we'll kind of fill you in on what's been happening so that's exactly what they do they head topside and they're in an alley and um and what's happening in the technodrome since the brain scan is splinter bebop and rocksteady are now departing the technodrome in the transport module so I may have messed that up earlier or was just confused with the plot, but they do depart after the brain scan and they surface in the same alleyway that April and the turtles are standing in. Splinter puts the coordinates of the turtle yeah. layer into the transform. How the fuck do you know the coordinates? I don't know. Do you know? I don't even know any coordinates of anything ever except the North Pole. It's zero. I didn't even know that. So that's interesting. <laughs> I is this the scene where like the transport module pops up and they're like, oh, what is that? It must be some sort of yeah. They've seen yeah. the thing like ten times. Now. I know. I had the what exact are they surprised thought. I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I was starting to tell. I was like, too. what the fuck is that thing? Yeah. yeah. Also, it contradicted because when they were in it earlier in the episode, like Bebop was all happy go lucky. He's like, oh, I love this part, and he's singing to himself. When when they first used it, everyone talked about how much they hated the ride and it was miserable. So either they've improved it or stuff isn't yeah. adding up here. Maybe they have the AC <laughs> working now. Um, and I thought, to John's point, so I don't know why Splinter would bring... I mean, maybe he knows Bebop and Rocksteady are so dumb that they wouldn't be able to remember the coordinates, but why would he claim, unless it was just for show, like with Bebop and Rocksteady, to say, like, we're going right to the lair. Um, but coincidentally, they pop up immediately next to April and the turtles. Um, and then to Chris's point, 
the terminals are surprised. I don't know what the transport module is. Um, but out of the transport module emerge Bebop and Rocksteady, who immediately pursue the turtles, um, where Splinter is hanging back and he's pleading for peace. So he sees the writing on the wall. He doesn't want, number one, to engage with the turtles in combat. But number two, he doesn't want the turtles to get hurt, um, You know, more importantly, by Bebop and Rocksteady. So he's kind of calling for peace, lay down your weapons, um, and then this has got to be the greatest move by Leo to date. Do you guys recall what Leo does in the scene? I, I thought think it was rat. spinning sword action. Yeah. Leo pulls like a Michelangelo or Dantel where he spins his katanas. Uh, at least one of them. I don't know if it's both. But I think he spins both like uh, an opposite um directions one clockwise one counterclockwise but he's doing it so fast that it deflects the laser blast from i think it's bebop might be rock city but either way he deflects it into scaffolding so like an emergency fire escape on the outside of a building which falls and then pins rock city to the wall mm-hmm. it was an alpha move by leo i have to give him credit there yeah it's pretty good April, meanwhile, is record again. She's got her Channel Six news camera. She's recording the whole fight, so she's again just eating this up, adding zero value to this episode other than being a bystander. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Bebop and Mikey towing off John. What happens to Mikey? He goes in with the spinning nunchucks, to which Bebop grabs him, spins him around like a helicopter, and tosses him into trash cans. It's not a good look for Mikey. No. no. He, Bebop he... has been, of the duo, the way better fighter than Rocksteady the last couple episodes. He didn't get his boots ripped off last episode, and now he's just taking care of business with Mikey. It's a fact. Bebop had a strong episode, for sure. So he tosses Mikey into the trash cans. I'll, I will give credit to Mikey. He does not stay down. He gets back up, and I think he even says, like, have you had enough yet? Like, he tries yeah. to like a okie doke his his mental uh yeah mental obstacles with with bebop but um so he does mikey and then this is where shredder essentially i forget what happens to bebop who takes bebop down or what happens to him he falls into a sewer hole oh as that's he's right charging it yeah he gets tricked in, like to donnie or or raf and he falls down in the sewer hole so we've got rocksteady pinned bebops in the sewer and the turtles are honing in on who they believe is shredder but as we know, it's actually Splinter. And they have some discussion. And after some some wisdom from Splinter, the turtles believe that he's in fact not Shredder. He truly is Splinter. And they have a little like kumbaya in the alleyway where they're sitting cross-legged, um, just kind of chatting about life and and what happened. Yeah. Little, uh, and then camp. we get what I think is the corniest scene ever where Leo shakes Splinter's hand and then turns to the camera and says, I never thought I'd be shaking Shredder's hand. And it just ends the scene. Yeah. She's, she's level 100 right there. Um, (laughs) So meanwhile, back in the layer, Shredder is walking around wondering where the turtles are because they were supposed to be cleaning. Um, they were interrupted. They're cleaning like when April walked in 
Uh, that's when their cleaning had stopped. They had taken off. So he's kind of down there stewing. He's like, where are they? doesn't matter. I will destroy them when they return. That's his plan. Um, but Donnie has a plan. And Donnie believes that he can recreate the accident. And all he has to do is reverse the polarity, as we've seen. Just every time reverse. Flip the, the batteries. Yeah, flip the batteries. That's all that needs to happen. <laughs> um, but it'd be so annoying. Like he's supposed to be the brainiac. And every time he's like, what if we just do it in reverse? That's yeah. his grand solution every single time. So that's his plan. And, and Leo chimes in and he says that he's got a plan to lure Shredder out of the lair back into the lab. Because again, they need both there on the platforms. They need to activate the control panel in order for the, the mind swap, the reverse mind swap to happen. Um, so back in the lair, Shredder's stewing where the turtles, the turtles show up and they claim that they have found Shredder. And so Shredder, who's in Splinter's body, is enthused because he's like, oh, this is my opportunity to, number one, destroy the turtles, but number two, get back to Crane because I don't know how to navigate the sewers. So I'm going to follow them, which this was actually an interesting plot twist. uh, Shredder is following the turtles out of the sewer. So unless they brought him on like this miracle maze, um, he definitely knows at least how to get out of the lair and could easily kind of reverse it to find it back. So that was a little faux pas in the, in the plot there. But regardless. This reminds me of the time when I was first getting my license. And I remember having a thought of, oh, I need to actually remember how to get places because once I have a car and I don't know how to get places, this is before the days of, gps on your phone it was like shit i gotta just gotta know how to get places and you done i will say out of the three of us you definitely knew how to get the most places in our youth yeah i'm just Part- i feel like i'm good i'm good with directions like i go a place once or you just tell me relatively where it is and i'm able to get there pretty good it's one of my better qualities but not shredders that's a fact because he follows them out of the lair. And um, meanwhile, Splinter is uh, following through on the other half of the Turtles plan, which is breaking back into the Cybertech labs, which I will say, he walks up to a gate, a door, whatever you want to call it. It's um, it's like, uh, what is it? Bolted a padlock chain. Padlock and a chain. Padlock, yeah. Padlocks. Chain, it's chained and padlocked shut. And again, he has this internal struggle where he's like, I shouldn't be doing this, but I must. And then he has the weakest break-in <laughs> ever. He takes Shredder's gauntlets and just kind of like, uh, and it opens. <laughs> opens yeah, I the know. door. Sharp-ass gauntlets. Yeah, yeah, I was definitely If you think Leo's a dink, Splinter is the biggest dink of them all. He's so, like, come on, we get it, you're good. You don't have to morally berate yeah. yourself every time he yeah, does something like this. He has too much integrity, which is which is a uh, challenging quality to have. But he breaks in. He's starting to walk towards the platform, waiting for the turtles to arrive. But Bebop and Rocksteady, uh, it's almost simultaneously. They get there just before the turtles, but Bebop and Rocksteady have been following Splinter, which was not part of the plan. So immediately when the turtles arrive, 
we have another fight. And this one, again, is, uh, I think, pretty good. Um, but specifically, I enjoy it because we have another Shredder versus Splinter, Mono y Mono. I don't think we've ever had two in the same episode. I could be wrong about that. But we have the two of them towing off. Um, and overall, pretty good fight scene. Bebop um, accidentally knocks Shredder onto the Mind Transformer platform. I think he's... He's engaging with one of the turtles and he kind of backs up and I think sends Shredder flying. He um, yeah, he goes charging. Bebop is using his patented charge move, even though he's not a rhino. And he fucking nails Shredder in Splinter's body. So if he lands one of those charging moves, it is devastating because he freaking crushes Shredder onto the platform. platform. Yeah. Yeah. And he like what he looks like he's like crippled. He like can barely lift his head up after he lands and he yeah. just he said I think he insults him or something, but he's clearly just destroyed yeah. by that. Yeah. yeah. And then meanwhile, Mikey is making up for his poor showing in the last battle, and he knocks the blasters out of Bebop and Rocksteady's hands with his chucks, which the twirling chucks when when Mikey is throwing his chucks, he's unstoppable. It's, yeah. That's just a fact. It really is. I should have made the bet how many times Michelangelo throws his nunchucks because it's every fucking episode. <laughs> yeah. um, um, so meanwhile, so they're distracting Bebop and Rocksteady. Donnie is trying to get the control panel to work, but it's still kind of busted from earlier. Um, so he's fidgeting and Rocksteady is, he has retrieved his laser blaster, is pointing it at Donnie and pulls the trigger, but he misses Donatello. I, don't, I can't remember if Donatello kind of skirts out of the way or see. I think Leo warns him at the last second yeah. and says, because cowardly move to shoot. He was going to shoot Donnie in the back. Yeah, it's a cowardly move. But as I mentioned earlier, they like to fight dirty, so not unexpected. Um, but he misses Donatello and hits a control panel, which Splinter is standing on. And Shredder has been knocked onto. So they're both in position. It activates the mind consciousness transfer, neuro, whatever, mind transfer. And we're not sure yet if it has worked because this is where the building begins to catch on fire. And oh yeah, both groups take off. Um, and we see in the next scene, Shredder is in the Technodrome in his body. So he has reverted back to his uh his normal self and he's he's walking with bebop and rocksteady um down there and they're i forget what exactly they're talking about but bebop is or rocksteady's like oh man it's a good thing that i wasn't on that platform because it would have swapped my brain and shredder is basically like well lucky for you there's you can't swap nothing yeah that's right <laughs> It's like a total so, insult. <laughs> so he's back to his normal insulting self. Um, and then we, it cuts back to the lair where Splinter is, is, or Splinter's body is laying on his, in his room on the carpet, I believe. And yeah, it looks like um, a parquet floor, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, and he awakes 
I think April might be there at this time too, but he awakes and he, he is in fact in his true form. So it is splinter. He has returned his, his body and it's confirmed by the turtles because I believe it's Michelangelo once again, offers him a pizza slice and uh, to which point it repulses splinter. And uh, that's the end of the episode, except it's not because splinter while everyone is glad that he's back, he assigns clean, more cleaning duties to the turtles. Mm. So a little jab for, I don't know, maybe hanging them out to dry, not being as effective. Who knows? But they're back to cleaning. Yeah. Always with the chores. Another wholesome ending. Overall, so, a good episode, I thought. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys what you thought of the episode. I like the best one this season so far. Ooh. I think. Actually, hold on. What the first ones, what was the how did the season start? I think the first one was better. All I know is the two we're 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 back on the the ascent of episode quality. Yeah, I agree with that. Bottom was fifty foot Irma, and now we're on the roller coaster ride back up. Air Turtles was pretty good. This one a little bit better. So I'll, uh, we had Beneath These Streets. So that was the first episode. Then we had Turtles on Trial, Attack of the 50-Foot Irma, yeah. The Maltese Hamster, and then Sky Turtles last episode. Yeah. So yeah, I agree with you. A couple of bad ones. This one I thought was pretty good. Mm. Yeah. Um, but with that said, uh, John, Unfortunately, there were no updates to the Shellcast Sportsbook. Is that correct? That is correct. No Cowabunga. There were plenty of ample opportunities for a Cowabunga to be said in these fight scenes. There, in fact, was not. I was curious if there was going to be a scene of who was driving the turtle van when they were going back to the lair, but we do not see who was driving it. And there was no blimp and there was no katana throws. So I swear nothing. to God, at one point, Leo cocked his arm back with a katana in it, but didn't throw it. I was so mad. I know there were everyone... people that were knocked out of his hands, which yeah. don't yeah. count. But yeah, and everybody else was throwing their weapons except Leo. Like this was intentionally. He was like, fuck you guys. I'm not throwing these katanas. I'm not giving you a point. So uh, big goose eggs all around for the Shellcast Sportsbook. But. John mentioned Cowabunga. That brings us into turtleisms. Cowabunga! John, since this is your all-time favorite segment, could you please update the listeners on the turtleisms for this episode? I'm gonna go. I didn't write any down, so I'm going off the off the cup. There are so there were a lot said here. Exacto Mundo, many times, probably twice. I didn't get that one. That's zero what? times actually. <laughs> no exact mundos. No exact. No, there, def- there definitely was. No, nope, uh, there was not. Nope. There was I'm one. I know you're you're thinking of. Yeah, it's not exact mundo. Chris, did That's you write them down this time? I did. All right. Would you, you like me to run go through them? Yeah. John, I don't think John would have had any of these. So this is in order of appearance. Um, Tubuloso by Mikey. Primo to the Extremo by Mikey. Nosy Newshead, that's what Shredder called April. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raph called Shredder Canhead. We had a shell backs from Rocksteady. 
a Ratso I got from Bebop. I think he called Splinter Ratso. Yeah, he did. Uh, Donnie called Shredder Tingren. We had a Hog Breath. Um, that was Shredder. That was Shredder as Splinter. I forget who I had Shredder slash Splinter. Um, Munch some Munch Compadres by Mikey. That's when he was heating the pizza up in the microwave. Mondo Notion by Donnie. Hyper Weird by Mikey. Raph had Whipped Our Shells. Mikey had a Bizarro. Holy Guacamole. Bebop said Shells for Brains. Got a Turtle Stew from Rocksteady. Mikey, this was a new one. Pack it in Pork Face. He was talking about Bebop. <laughs> and then he said Happy Trails Hornhead to Rocksteady. And then the last one I had was a Let's Make Turtle Tracks by Raph. Yeah, the only one that I had that didn't appear on your list was um, Sewer, Sweet Sewer, when Raph and the Turtles return after the initial mind transfer. Raph walks in and he says, Sewer, Sweet Sewer. Yeah. So that is turtleisms a lot actually a lot from people other than michelangelo which is kind of nice yeah raf was raf big episode for raf he was yeah. fighting he was dropping some turtleisms he was sarcastic this is what we like to see absolutely so that brings us to the villain power rankings boom did John, the question is, are we on the new no. format? We are, we are not. It was a quick turnaround from the last episode. I didn't have a chance to go through. <laughs> Beautiful. So let me recap where we stand after last episode, which was Sky Turtles. Shredder had reclaimed the number one spot. Crane had bumped down to number two. The Vivaldi Crime Syndicate moved up last episode because bebop and rock city had such a poor showing they moved down to four foot soldiers stayed at five rock soldiers at six baxter at seven dragon granite toward eight the knucklehead at nine and the punks at 10 in this episode we have no new villains so we did however have shredder krang and bebop and rock city active so and the rock soldiers were moving some boxes around. They were the and the foot, the foot soldiers. The foot soldiers made an appearance. They strapped in pseudo uh, shredder to the oh to the chair. Oh yeah, machine. you're right. Yeah. You're right. All right. So we we had uh, five active villains, I guess. So where do we want to start, John? Uh, I, well, I think the rock soldiers and foot soldiers do not move. They really didn't do anything. Yeah, it's nice to see him around. Yeah, it is nice to see him around. So the real question is, did Bebop and Rocksteady do enough to move back into the three spot? I think is where we start. I think so. Were they super effective? No, they each had their... Rocksteady in particular got caught up a couple times, but... Very active. Okay, they trapped April in the beginning until the turtles came in and ruined it. Bebop just steamrolled somebody, which was kind of cool to see. <laughs> and just a lot of... I wouldn't... 
I wouldn't say bad shooting. There were a lot of close calls with the shooting. They were very close to hitting the turtles a couple times. Just missed. It looked like some either weight reactions or like a little bit of weird animation because I swear they got hit by a laser beam, but then rolled away after. So <laughs> just points at points for it's like when you're playing it in a game and you're all over the court, but you're not putting up any stats. You're just like doing the things that don't show up in the scorebook. That's yeah. what I would say. Be both rock steady. Slog in the minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So I would agree. Um, and it's mainly because I can't, Move, I can't keep the Vivaldi Crime Syndicate at three for not being active. So I, I we need to bump them down one. Yeah. Um, and to your point, Chris, I, I really think it, it truly it was like Bebop's uh, charge of Splinter that really gave them credibility. Their shooting wasn't the most accurate, but they have been shooting better this season. So um, I do, yeah, I do think they deserve the number three. John, seems like you agree because yep. you already moved in there. I did, yeah. I do agree. I agree. I think the question, I'm going to make the argument that Shredder stays at number one here. And it's really a common... I thought he did a good job as Splinter. Being, no. Being villainous. Being villainous. Chris, being villainous. Well, because he... I, I mean, he had a good showing in the fight against them. I thought I thought his plot would have worked out if not for getting rocked by Bebop. If not for getting steamrolled by Bebop, he did he kicked Splinter's ass in that second fight scene. He basically Yeah, he did have the upper hand, that's true. Chuck Norris's ass, yeah. I thought he was doing well until he got steamrolled by Bebop. Krang on the other hand got fooled by the brain's brain wave scan. It's true. That was, my no- gut. that was my knock on Krang is he got fooled by Splinter's meditation. Yeah. So and I also don't think count. that Krang did enough to move up. So Krang was kind of inactive this episode. So I think it's what did Shredder screw up more than what did Krang do well. My reasoning behind wanting to move Shredder down is, number one, when he was still Shredder, just, like, comical. What are they doing in the factory the first time? Dropping boxes on each other's feet. He's stomping (laughs) around, just clearly incapable of running a simple operation to get Krang a voltmeter, basically. So that was a mistake. Number two, you made the argument that he was villainous as Splinter which I can agree with, but in that sense, it was the wrong thing to be doing. He, know thy enemy better than, know thy enemy as thyself, or something like that, is, is a famous <laughs> saying. He had no fucking clue. He doesn't know anything about Splinter. He doesn't know he doesn't like pizza. He doesn't know how to act. Like how him. would he know that? How would he be Listen, expected John, to know that? How, how do, if Splinter can figure out his brainwave patterns then I think Shredder can figure out that Splinter doesn't like pizza. But his big problem is he's so focused on the turtles all the time that he's oblivious to all the other things going on around him. So you lose points for being a bad Splinter. Then, did he kick Splinter's butt in the final fight? Yes, but it was because he was in Splinter's body. So I don't know if you get points for being... like It's like he got upgraded... And then it's starting to win fights. All right. Chris, like, know thy enemy as thyself. 
take advantage, be resourceful. Wow, John just flipped that right back on you, Chris. What? No, what do you mean? He got run over by his own minion. Know thy know thy own people as thyself too. <laughs> you don't know bebop, a, a patented bebop charge from across the room. You can't see that coming. Just step to the side. I think that's more of a comment on how effective bebop was this episode. No, and not only so he got the pizza thing wrong. Whatever you could argue, you should know that he's like kicking April out of the lair, which is clearly something Splinter wouldn't do. He's fighting the turtles. He's doing all these things wrong, and. At the end of the day, did he even accomplish the mission? No, he didn't get a thermal couple, whatever it's called. And now Krang, was Krang fooled by a little brainwave activity? Sure. But he's got a lot of stuff going on, as we all saw down there. There's boxes getting moved around. He's doing <laughs> stuff outside. Like, I don't know what he's doing in his little machine, but he's clearly got some bigger, bigger projects going on. Can't be babysitting Shredder all the time. <laughs> He's got so much going on, he can't even talk about it when Splinter <laughs> asks him. He's like, how about you worry about the task I gave you instead of all this other stuff on my plate? He's also just getting so fucking annoyed. He's like, can you please take Bebop and Rocksteady out yeah. with you because yeah. I just can't have them. Yeah, no, he's done with Bebop and Rocksteady, especially after they spent all of Season 2 in um, Dimension X with them. But from a villain standpoint, I still think... Like there's no way Crane can move up when he was tricked by his his minion's arch enemy. Hey, how about this? Uh, his machine works. We'll credit there. Okay? I know, but we're talking what about vil- being a villain in this episode, not just yeah. Being what kind smart. of villain? He's so villainous. He strapped his uh, number two in command into a chair and read his brainwaves because he felt he was acting a little funny. That's pretty villainous. I mean, it'd been more villainous if he threatened to kill him like with with uh or torture him until he got the truth out of him listen listen it doesn't take a fucking brain scientist to fucking realize that shredder in that shredder's body was acting a little funny okay get you within five minutes of seeing shredder splinter as shredder he strapped him into a chair i mean that's pretty good perception Here's a couple of rumors from Bebop and Rocksteady and says, fucking put him in the chair and read his brains. Let's get some evidence here. And My the vote. brains matched. Let us it, not forget. Only only after not matching. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Okay, so sometimes you're dialing a radio in and you're on the, you know, when you get the wrong, the next channel and you got to, everyone knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, keep cranking number two. He'll be back. Yeah. yeah. He cranks it too. He just didn't do enough this episode. Honestly. He did make. But he did. Let it be known, really, it was not because Shredder did anything good. It's because yeah. Krang was pretty much inactive. Yeah, I did. I did laugh when he just goes maybe, maybe when he said maybe, maybe not about having a <laughs> thing in the Technodrome. I just laughed out loud. That really made me laugh a lot. Yeah, I love Krang. He's the Krang is the funniest one on the show. I'll say yeah. that. I'll I'll give you that. Um, all right. So the only move on the villain power ranking this week was Bebop and Rocksteady are back in number three and the Vivaldi crime syndicate is back to number four. Otherwise everybody stays the same. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you, John. And now I would like to 
move into the TikTok poll results mm. from this last week. Not as many votes as last time. There were 24 votes, though. We did get it we're out. Still we those. That's yeah. we're, we're still learning the, the TikTok, when to post things. I posted it around 10.30 p.m. Eastern time which note to self is probably not the best time to post a video because, but I had to get it out. So we got 24 votes and with a total of, so Chris, recap the question for us, if you will. I, I got this is up. John's <laughs> propaganda machine roll. I took, right, no, I got it. So. How do I, <laughs> how do I get the sound off? <laughs> So the question from last week, and there's a lot of controversy on this question. Yes, very controversial. It wouldn't be a TikTok. It, yeah, it wouldn't yeah. be a TikTok poll without controversy. So <laughs> as the question, our latest TikTok shows. Yeah, as written. So John took this from a tweet. Shout out uh, Shane Ryan. The question: As a thought experiment, how many aces, holes in one, would a professional golfer have to make in a row before the president? addressed it the in a row was the sticking point for this question mm-hmm. as most people listening to this would probably assume in a row would mean on consecutive holes but what john tried to explain was that it's on par threes on a course so in a row you there's what four par threes per round typically yes so in theory if you're only counting par threes you could have four in one round, but they wouldn't be back to back to back to back. They would be spread out throughout the course. Correct. So that being said, Andrew, what was your answer? Because so, I closed. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so first of all, I will say when I heard in a row, I don't think it made a difference in my answer because I my answer was three. So whether... And we recapped the history. In my mind, I didn't think anyone had ever gotten two holes in one in the same round, never mind in a row. So to me, the magic number was three because I think one time holes in one happen twice, you could get lucky. If you do it a third time, like that's prolific. So my answer was three. And I will say that Shane, and I share this with you guys, this little crop. Uh, he said, and I'll read this. This is his tweet. I hate to take this experiment to its logical end because it's getting dark. But if you're in NatSec, I don't know what that is, and National mapping security. out National, National security. security and mapping out the possible outcomes, I think ultimately you come to the conclusion that after three aces, the easiest and safest response is to take lethal action. Nip it in the bud. So. <laughs> Three was, you know, his his logical answer, logical end to the experiment question. Three. So Shane and I agree. John, what did you say? <laughs> I said nine, which would be the Saturday of a golf tournament, which I in in hindsight, I think nine was probably not the best answer. Uh, I think eight was probably the answer, but that's fine. Um, but I did say nine because... That's all. So well, you're I just going into the third day. Well, I think yeah. After because 
it would need to be after the completion of a round is when the president, I think, would be able to address it. So, like, once you hit the ninth on a Saturday, it's less it's less of like a stopping point for things to happen where I feel like after eight holes in one and two rounds, it would be noteworthy. And and if you did read that that tweet thread, he does yeah. say it needs to be more than just like a snide remark. It needs to be an actual like address. Yeah. I think his I think his answer was actually after sixteen. So on after Sunday is when the yeah, president basically you would. play the whole tournament and yeah. Yeah. And, Which was, again, yeah. a crucial point of contention as you were answering this in real time, whether it was a side comment or whatever it may be. So. Well, regardless, Andrew said three, John said nine, with a turtle of turtle, <laughs> a total of 13 votes. The winner of the TikTok poll is John. 13 people voted nine is the correct answer. 11 voted well, as three. I do... I have a question. I saw in the comments somebody had said, <laughs> yes. I mean, three, meaning he selected the wrong answer and then corrected yeah. himself. It was Ryan. Let me see who, if Ryan, who Ryan voted for, if that actually matters. Does this swing the answer? Well, we might have to go to a spin on one. From what I, I can tell. I don't know what his username is. Ryan. He's Napoleon02. Let's see. John is doxing this guy in real time. (laughs) Napoleon02 voted for nine, but he meant three. It's it, but that, I don't know. That doesn't matter. He voted. If you took one vote away from you and gave it to Andrew, does it change the winner? Yeah. It would be a tie. Yeah. It would be 12 to 12. But it doesn't matter. He, I mean, who knows? The theory is saying he messed up, though. No, he's no, no. Wait, wait, wait. It's it was thirteen to fourteen. John had fourteen. No, I no, it's 13. thirteen to eleven. I thought you said twenty-seven votes or twenty-four, 24 votes. Oh, thirteen to eleven. Okay, all right. But I mean, because like anyone get right in the comments meant three. So either this, I think it's I, one of two things, John. It's either he voted for you and he meant Andrew, or he's voting for Andrew in the comments. No, but John he just voted, confirmed. He I can voted look for the John. Results. He voted for me. But oh, then he well, said, then I mean three. No. It's the that's results a tie. of that's the poll. That's as clear as Dave that's a tie. No. John, he messed up and he corrected himself. That is no. That is how it goes. It The I official vote was cast for 13. John. I mean for nine. Come on. The integrity of the It poll. doesn't matter. He corrected himself. No. John's he scared. Could. John's scared to go I'm to the I'm not scared. Off. I'm just saying yeah. the vote is the vote. Okay, let's take a I'm the neutral party here. here. I am the neutral party. No, you're not. I think it's fair that if somebody corrects themselves and we can prove that they voted for the wrong thing and they're correcting themselves, it should be switched. Why is that so controversial? I do just want to say the official record. John was not going to mention that. So in my mind, he knew it would be controversial. Yeah. No, I when you I forgot that that person. I think I actually liked the comment as the creator. If you look at it. But it doesn't matter. That's like if you vote, if you cast your official ballot, you can't go back and change it. This isn't a presidential. He's correcting himself in the comments. We have the proof that we can go back and say he voted for the wrong one. Unless he's somehow tied to Andrew and knows him, then I don't see a reason to disregard that. The official vote has been cast. So if somebody, let me ask you this then. If somebody didn't vote in the poll, but voted in the comments, 
No. Would we count it? No. Why not? We would not. Because I'm not going to fucking tallying all the comment votes. There's one comment on the thing. I think think you're being unnecessarily defensive about this. It's pretty cut and dry to me that... I think we're establishing a rule. It's the vote is the vote. I mean, that counts as a vote. That's not... No, it's not in the official tally. Can we agree that I'm the neutral party here? No, because you're not neutral. He is actually. It's John. It's not like you're. We're going to a spinoff. We're not. I'm not saying you lose. Yeah, but we're the just gods decide. Right yeah, it's a spinoff. I'll just call it like it is. It's a spinoff, John. To the spinoff we go. That's fine. But it's crap. The vote <laughs> is the vote. I mean, in fairness, the question was confusing. The results are confusing. I think the only way to properly settle this is with a spinoff. So, with that said, I will bring up the Shellcast spinoff wheel. We can just the wheel is just. There we go. The wheel is just. All right. I'm going to give Chris the option to say when, and I will click the button. Got to be honest, those both look like orange, but that's okay. (laughs) It is laggy. One's yellow and one's orange. Oh. Did it stop? I think it's on me. I can't yeah, tell. It didn't even <laughs> spin on my screen. It just went to you. Right. I mean, wheel, I'll wheel is respin? Right. No. No, no. Not me. I think it's just lagging. <laughs> Should pop up. All right. All right. Wheel don't lie. Yeah. John can stop pouting now. We'll just confirm results. Yep, it's me. Okay. Yep. All right. Well. All right. Sometimes the bad guys win. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that brings us into. I may never the... cook a pizza again. John's yeah, afraid of the pizza. You're running a, a yeah. uh, no, slander got, campaign. I, propaganda. I actually want it. I feel like there's some good pizzas on the wheel that I wouldn't mind. John and the big green machine just putting TikToks out just to slander my name. <laughs> <laughs> Chris. <laughs> Every fucking time, every time there's a poll question, you got something to say about it. I feel like my cribs are legitimate, John. Fold the potato? Come on, I can't win with that. It fucking said potato chip. No. Before you vote. It said potato C with a bunch of an ellipsis after it. <laughs> Could be potato anything. I will give you this. You in your argument, you did talk about a flavored potato chip because you get more flavor with the crunch. Yeah, and you gave me a plain Head-on shot of a folded chip. You couldn't even tell it was folded. It might have just been deformed. Okay, so I justly, unjustly, call it what you will. I lost the spinoff. Therefore, I'm back (laughs) on the pizza time wheel. It hasn't been very long. Uh, Just two episodes ago. So what I've already shuffled the wheel. And I am very intrigued. We've got the most we've ever had on the wheel. The most disgusting, I think, is going to be butterscotch and anchovy. That's got to be. Yeah. That's got to be bad stuff. Yeah. That's um, but I would like. I kind of want peanut butter and jelly just to mix it up. I, I don't think that would be very good either. But I think it'll be interesting at the very least. Yeah, there's oh. some options there too with what jelly you go with. So. Yeah, so I'd like a weird one, just not, not the weirdest. So, 
<laughs> without further ado, now spinning. I know it probably doesn't look like it because I'm still using my backup computer, but we will see <laughs> what I land. Uh-oh, headed into danger zone. Peanut butter and pickle or Mentos? You're on Mentos. Oh, oh. no. <laughs> That's going to be tough. It's not bad. Just a little chewy. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, I wonder. I got to think about how I'm going to prepare that. Yeah, do you I just toss them on at the end? I don't think you can cook. What happens if you cook a Mentos? It just your know. oven explodes. I don't, know. <laughs> don't don't drink any soda with it, or my, my head's gonna explode. <laughs> All right, men, Mentos, it is. That should be a fun very, one. Very nice, very nice. That's been on there for a while too. I think. Yeah, that uh, one was season two. Under season two. Season two. Okay. How did we get? With did they actually say Mentos? I thought. I think. I think they did. I think they did in that one. Interesting. But no, yeah, I don't remember. Hmm. But um, anyway, so that is the pizza time spin. I will prepare that for next episode. John, would you uh, would you like to, or Chris, would you like to be in charge of the TikTok poll question list, which we will randomly generate a number for selection? Yes. So because I eat pizza. No. No. How Andrew, a, it's a random generated number that we list, and then Chris answers first. John answers second. Okay. Yep. I always forget how, <laughs> how it goes. Andrew will read the question. Yeah. And generate the number. I don't know. Okay. Andrew generator. generates the number. I'll read the question. Okay. What? No, I can read how, the question. Andrew, generate the number. How many options? It's one to what? 20. Okay. One to 20. Randomly generated. Now the number is 10. Oh, so um, question number 10. What is the best letter of the alphabet? Ooh, what is the best letter of the alphabet? Andrew, since you no, I'm out because <laughs> I, I just ate pizza. So I get to go first because yes. I just ate, right? That's fact. Yep. So the best letter of the alphabet I'm going to go with the letter X, and here's why. X, very important in math. It's the number one variable that everybody uses, but it can also mean multiplication, so it's got dual purpose there. It's the coolest looking of the letters, I would say. It's just a cross. You can throw up an X. You can uh, you can mark the spot if you're a pirate. X marks the spot on a map, which also makes X pretty cool. In Roman numerals, it's 10. So 10 is a nice round number. It's a big Roman numeral. And if you're just going with like vocalization, X just sounds cool. X-ray, X-men, you throw it in front of a word. It gets a little hyphen after it. Looks futuristic and cool. So the letter X is the best letter. Good luck I don't just, I mean, I don't disagree with you. But I'm thinking, what are the people? What are the people going to think? And I know I feel like you've answered this question before, Chris. So you maybe yeah. had that one prepped in the bag. X is okay. I'm going with Q. A curly Q. It's got a hole. Not only is it 
the cursive Q is just the number two, which is cool. I like Q. It's actually got a whole word named after it, meaning line for Britain. So it's not only a letter, but it's a five letter word. With Q. two Qs in it. Isn't it Q U E no. U E? Oh, two one Q. Yeah. <laughs> therein, Andrew, lies the problem with Q. Q is not only come after you. you. It can only come before you. Yeah, you have a so code. I, I don't know. I, that's I actually, think, uh, I think John, that's not true. Q. Q, Q tip is a hyphenated Q dash tip. That's true. So it's also not a word. I would say it's a proper noun, but I mean, a noun's a word. It's true. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go Q because I think more people are going to choose Q. No. Q sucks. Q's that. Q, like if you invite Q somewhere, it brings you, and then it's like fucking nobody wanted you here. We invited Q, <laughs> and the cursive Q is actually I don't. It's one of my least favorite cursive letters. Q in upper uppercase Q is cool. I will say that. Yeah, it's got a little kickstand thing. It's pretty. Sweet. It's like an O. Yeah, it's like an O with a little dick. <laughs> <laughs> was going to say i am a fan of symmetrical letters that's why x uh, x makes a lot of sense to me however john just dropped the uh little dick comment and i think <laughs> i think you uh use the way to go but if it were me so if it were me though i will say i would go with a number one it's the first letter of the alphabet so therefore the most important Number two, it also begins my name, Andrew, A. Um, a is a common variable, so X is probably the most common. Y is also very common, but A, quite common as well, lowercase a. And um, also, the Avengers logo is an A. The X-Men logo is an X. Yeah, but I'm talking about the Avengers, Chris. <laughs> Touche, buddy. The All, other thing, I, the only thing I don't like about A is that the capital A in cursive is just a big lowercase A. Yeah, and <laughs> but some people like, do the other A, creative. the A that looks like a like a, the letter D. Some people do that kind of A. That I like that. It has no identity. That, it has an identity crisis. That lowercase A, with, the lowercase the A with like top. with like the hook that hangs over its head. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, me too. That's what I I'm saying. That. Like a, yeah, but if is you write that, you think you're better than everyone else. When you, if you do that in handwriting, yeah, you yeah, better. I don't do even use lowercase letters, so yeah, I don't, I don't either. But I will say, <laughs> if you're John, if you're hanging your hat on cursive, I feel like cursive is so archaic that it's not even really in the discussion. I'm not even sure they teach it anymore. Capital L in so. cursive is the best. Let's be honest. They don't teach cursive anymore. I asked the guy at work. Also, credit to Andrew. A is in the song YMCA. So you get to make the A oh, yeah. with your yeah. hands. That's a big one. That's a big one. So you I can't would go make with an A with your hands. That's a misnomer. Yes, you can. If your shoulders are the crossbar. If you put well, your legs out, if you get your legs into it, you can you can very much make an A. No. The other thing, uh, closing thought on A for my book, since I've chose it. A even, also. You're not even in the poll. I know, but I'm I'm convincing you why I should have chosen A instead of X or Q. A, apex. It's an arrow pointing to the sky. Take that with what you will. It also like looks like it is. Number one, the best. It's at the top. It's pointing to the top. Bam. 
It's an aspen tree. Yeah, but you know what about X? X could fall over and it's still X. X no. can no matter what way X goes, it's it's X. But here's no, my thing. If, if if you if X falls over, it's less than greater than. Or plus. And yeah. X no, it's a big plus. X. Plus are you a, drawing your X's? Plus is a 90 degree angles. X is at 45. Chris. What? Not 45. X is at a plus. How is a sideways X is not a plus? Well, if you said it falls over, then it's the same. <laughs> then you drew it a perfectly 45 degree angle. No, X. I didn't. <laughs> 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 that's, not, that's not falling over. That's halfway. And you got to go the full way. And then it's X again. The point is, your plus X, is halfway to falling over. Big X and little X are the same, so you can see that as a pro or a con. Big Q, little Q, different. At the start of something means bad. X boyfriend, X girlfriend, X it, X Ray. Someone who who used to be named Ray and no longer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In any event, that concludes. Um, TMNT Shellcast episode number 24 uh, from season three, episode six, the old switcheroo. You guys have any closing thoughts? John, I'm actually surprised you didn't freeze to end the episode this, this week. I know it's been my, my MO. Uh, yeah. No, I, I thought it was a good episode. I like the title. I'm always a fan of, of any of adding rue to the end of, at the end of everything. So I like it. Do we know what the next episode is called? <clears throat> I can look it up. I do know in like two or three we've got uh, enter the rat king which i'm very excited for um this next one though yeah that is a great one um the next episode here according to tmntpedia it's called burns blues burns blues so it's the quarter century episode for tmnt and for us so. Yes. And so I, Chris, actually, do you have anything, uh, any closing thoughts before I wrap things up? Nope. I got nothing. Okay. So I was going to say episode 25, incredibly important because we will be doing a state of the pod. And the question is, we'll decide if it's going to be a bonus episode or not. However, I do want to update everyone on, um, how we're doing overall as a podcast. And, uh, Maybe some nuances to some of the analytics. Maybe some little podcast podcaster insight. Who, who knows? We'll see where it goes. But um, anticipate that we also are likely going to be a little delayed with episode twenty-five, possibly. So, um, or episode twenty-four is just delayed. So who knows? I've got a little turtle on the way, so uh, that shall mix up some plans most likely and uh and then we'll take another little break because john will be uh enjoying jet a little, setting little vacation yeah so yeah enjoying a little honey under the moon yeah under the moon. so um so keep an eye for that we will keep you updated on social media and as always thanks for listening to team nt shellcast this is andrew for john and for chris Cowbunga. Cowbunga.